Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from a house in Cuesta Verde discussing the 1982 supernatural horror film, Poltergeist. This film was directed by Toby Hooper from a screenplay by Steven Spielberg, Michael Grace, and Mark Victor. Born out of a collaborative effort between Hooper and Spielberg, Poltergeist wowed audiences and critics alike upon its release, boasting impressive special effects and frightening visuals, all while grounded in an emotional story of a family in a haunted suburban home. Despite the controversy surrounding who actually directed the film and rumors of the franchise being cursed, Poltergeist remains an incredibly influential film in the genre and is widely considered a horror classic. This film was suggested to us by friend of the show, J.M. Brandt. He is the co-writer of Swamp Dogs, an upcoming horror comic due for release on October 13th. For more information about the comic, head over to swampdogscomic.net or follow them on Instagram at swampdogscomic. Thanks again to J.M. Brandt for his support and the suggestion. So, Poltergeist, what were your first impressions on the film? I know I didn't see this movie a lot. I remember watching this movie the first time at my uh, one of my aunt and uncle's house. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember a lot of this movie when I watched it for the show. I did enjoy this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Not like in a bad way, but I was just kind of wanting to keep an open mind. Because you do remember the big things that happen mm-hmm. because yeah. everybody uses it or there's a callback to it in some shit. It's parodied to death. Yeah, It's one of those films that you've seen whether or not you've seen it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, But watching it, I did enjoy it. And then your sister brought something <laughs> knew, to I my attention later that, that I guess heard it for me, but not <laughs> not a lot. To. But Have you been thrown under the bus? I, I Now, let me try to crawl out from under it. All I said was, and I'm not going to lie, call me a fake fan or whatever. I did not know that this was a Toby Hooper film, probably until until we started the right. show. Because it doesn't feel like one. <laughs> so no. I brought it because we all know John Paul doesn't really pay attention to who directs or who writes or, you know, whatever. So I brought it to his attention and he's like, OK. And I said, what? I was like, what do you mean? I go, does this feel more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or does it feel more like E.T.? And he's like, it's like that meme of Quentin Tarantino just around his house. <laughs> like st- that was him for the rest of the day. And he's like, I don't know why you had to say that. (laughs) (laughs) You broke his heart. I wasn't, it wasn't my intention to make you feel one way or the other, but this does not feel. No, you're right. Like Toby Hooper made it. That that was my whole point. All that to say, (laughs) (laughs) I know I watched this as a kid. I know I didn't watch it a lot. But just like you said, T, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, it's Poltergeist. Like, what's happening? Like, I know that movie because I know all the references to that movie. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have the whole they used real dead bodies and Mm -hmm. then all, you know, it's cursed and these people died and Dominic Dunn and uh, Heather O'Rourke, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm expecting, honestly, to get the shit scared out of me. Mm hmm. And that didn't happen. No. And I know for a lot of people, this is still a very scary movie. If it's scared, you know, like we talked about, I want to say on The Ring, if it scares you at the right time in your life, it's scary forever, whether or not it's scary. Yeah, it's one of those, it's a formative, like nostalgic fear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't have that connection with it. So there's one scene that is actually very <laughs> scary. Um, 
And if you think about it as, oh, my God, if this were me and, you know, it was Ari and not this little girl, it would be terrifying. Right. Uh-huh. But not having that connection, it wa- it wasn't scary to me. <laughs> so it has to be happening to you? To my own child. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff, you're like, boring. <laughs> it's like no let's think about carol ann this is not about you um selfish really (laughs) but it's really good it's a lot of fun i didn't Mm. really go into it expecting it to be so family friendly right and i had mentioned to john paul as well i know that pg-13 didn't exist yet no but the fact that it was PG-13 and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, yeah. There are a few scenes in particular that I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did they get away with this? But they did. Um, I, I agree with the both of you. I think that the thing about it being scary is that it's scary enough to satisfy a horror fan. Right. Yeah. But it's very accessible. I think you called it a, a gateway horror film. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that's really spot on. Because you could show this to your kid and it would be scary to your mm-hmm. kid, but it's not going to give them nightmare. Right. Well, I won't I give them nightmares. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I could give them nightmares. I think you're going to give these kids nightmares, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember watching it very much as a kid. Mm-mm. I had the opportunity to guest on Not Your Final Girl. Great show, friends of the show, Candace and Ariel. Mm-hmm. Thank you both for having me on earlier in the year. But <laughs> the thing was, is that I hadn't watched it, I don't think, since childhood until I did it for the show. Yeah, I listened to the episode, which was great. They're great. They are. Um, and you're okay. I'm all right. Uh, <laughs> but I listened to the episode and y'all talked about Halloween and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you started talking about Poltergeist and I was like, I don't fucking remember yeah. this movie at all. I told him, I said, I think I knew of the the rumors of the curse before the movie itself, like going right. into it. Yeah. I said, so I was par baked like a pie crust yes. for fear. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it, must have been watched because i do remember all those little moments but there's just just like oddly clean spielbergian clean yes yeah even when things get gross you're like this is hand this is manageable they're gonna be fine yeah they're gonna be fine and when you think of toby hooper you know anything but clean right that's what i mean i feel like that's the disconnect for me yeah and then knowing seeing the name toby hooper and then hearing about the curse, you're mm. like, I'm about to get these shit. I'm going to be cursed right. for watching, watching this. And there there was a lot of controversy surrounding right. Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg, I, who directed it. I read a pretty shitty quote from Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And it, <laughs> he, they, they, I guess they asked him about it. And Spielberg was like, look, Toby Hooper's not really the take charge kind of guy. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. It was so bad that he had to put out an apology letter in the trades later because <laughs> well, it, it was it, it sparked an investigation from the Directors Guild of America because they're like, oh, did he not direct it? Yeah. And through their investigation, they didn't warrant enough to give Spielberg a co-director credit. So, I mean, you know, uh, listen, <laughs> <laughs> here's here's I, <laughs> I, I did want to point something out. Toby Hooper did an interview with Fangoria in 1982 about this uh-huh. and he talked about it and he said that it really upset him because he thought that working with steven spielberg was one of the best director producer relationships he ever had in his life wow and he said so to see the producers and spielberg say this shit and that he didn't say this shit he said to say this shit in the trades it really hurt his feelings that and makes me so sad yeah. he said the thing was is that he had this idea in the early 70s mm-hmm. and then after he made the fun house spielberg contacted him yeah 
to direct, I guess, a sequel to Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, you know what? I don't really go in for all that alien business. Well, I but I got a ghost idea. Yeah. I read that it was going to be what became E.T. Yeah. That's what he had offered him. And he chose this instead. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was something that was close to him that he wanted to do it. It's not like Spielberg's like, I got this idea. It's ghost in a house. And he brings him everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was a collaborative effort. Yeah. And the producers are like, well, Steven's more the creative and Toby's more the technical. (laughs) And he's like, I came up with this shit. (laughs) It's so sad. It sucks, man. It's not fair. No. And I, I don't want to say I don't like Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Are you not? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have a way to finish. No, that I, I just feel like I don't know. I feel like he's got such a great reputation. There's, there's got to be some skeletons in that. <laughs> <laughs> there's some skeletons in that pool. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no proof. Don't sue me, please. <laughs> allegedly, 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 allegedly. Now, before we trap this film in another dimension, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Pod Mortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's run away from the light. So the film opens with the star-spangled banner as opening credits are shown, and we see the title, Poltergeist. I gotta say, I was a little thrown by the star-spangled banner. A hundred percent. That's not typically... I understand a lot of horrific shit yeah. <laughs> is tied well, to it, but... I mean, it actually makes sense. Now that it's, sense. it's the scariest way to open a film. Every horror film should open with <laughs> the stars. <laughs> but we then see an incredibly grainy tight shot on a television as the anthem continues to play, along with a montage of patriotic images. After we see a shot of the statue commemorating the Battle of Iwo Jima, the anthem ends and the television gives way to static. So if I'm not mistaken, this was a time before infomercials. Right. So the, it just cut off? Yes, this yeah. is what channels used to do. They didn't know what the fuck to do, and so they were just like, well, let's uh, Turn it off. go America on everybody's ass and then, yeah. <laughs> and then break we out. out. <laughs> yeah, but now we have Slap Chop, so. <laughs> <laughs> Set it and, and forget, forget it. it. But we pull back from the TV to reveal Steve Freeling, played by Craig T. Nelson, sleeping in a chair. His hand falls from his lap right into his plate of snacks that's just sitting on the floor. E-Buzz, the family dog, is like, Oh, that shit's up for grabs? Yeah. Bet. <laughs> he fucking steals a bit of food before running up an oddly placed staircase to the second floor. Yeah, I... Yeah. Who I designed agree. this house? I don't know. Yeah. And what we learn is that I guess every house is designed like yeah, this. Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. So it's like uh, little boxes. Yeah. <laughs> On the hillside? Yeah. But it was a choice. It was, it was a, a choice. choice. And I do want to point out E-Buzz, which is the weirdest name for a uh, pet I've ever heard, it is based on a Dan Aykroyd played character on Saturday Night Live. And I guess Dan Aykroyd also worked with Steven Spielberg on his previous film. So I don't know if this is like a little tribute to him. I feel like a lot of this film is just yeah. Steven Spielberg shouting out his friends. Yeah. <laughs> so too. It gets a little tedious and almost yeah. like seemingly feeling like illegal. The, the Star Wars <laughs> yeah, stuff? Is dude, that what you're referring to? It's, yeah. There's it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. It's like, a whole lot. Just unashamed. And I mean, <laughs> sorry. I saw a price tag on one of them and where to buy it. <laughs> Why not name the dog like Danny or something? Yeah. Like E-Buzz. That just makes people like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? But once E-Buzz is upstairs, he runs into the master bedroom and finds Diane Freeling, played by Jo Beth Williams, asleep in bed. He sniffs around the nightstand before bailing into the room of Dana Freeling, played by Dominique Dunn, who has crashed out in her bed. He then steals a bag of chips that she just had on her bed, I guess. 
That dog is living his best life. He is. Yeah. The chip part made me laugh out loud. It made me laugh because he spilled them everywhere. Well, yeah. and then he ate some. He knew what he it's was like doing. like a frat house. <laughs> <laughs> but he does. He takes him into the hall, eats him greedily, and then he goes in to check on the other kids, Robbie and Carol Ann, played by Oliver Robbins and Heather O'Rourke, respectively. As he bails, the camera inches closer towards Carol Ann, who wakes up. The score picks up as she gets out of bed. There's some odd, like, warping noises, along with some really nice strings. I think Jerry Goldsmith kills it with this score. Yeah, he does. I will admit that sometimes it feels very whimsical. I was going to say playful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I was going to say, because we get a shot of, like, the town and stuff in a minute, and it felt like almost the beginning of Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. (laughs) Like, And I want to talk about that because I feel almost like this is trying in a weird way to almost be a satire. See, that's why when you said E.T., I was like, you fucker. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Like, you're not going to let that go. <laughs> I thought uh, starting with the national anthem was a choice. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of American, you know. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. I, I got more coming later. But Goldsmith also did the score for Alien, which uh, we loved. Chef's yeah. Kiss. And he's also scoring a film we might talk about before the month is over. Doesn't matter. Right. All right. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> But Carol Ann steps slowly down the stairs, making her way toward the flashing static of the television. She sits down in front of it and stares into it. She calls out, hello? She then asks, what do you look like? Fucking terrifying, I do want to say. I don't like like any of it. No, none of it. But she then shouts at the television for someone to talk louder because she can't hear them. At this point, we watch as her shouts wake up her mother and siblings who head downstairs as well. Steve, who is sat right behind her, wakes up too, but just watches as Carol Ann continues talking. She seems to be answering questions. Yeah. Why are we just watching this? Yeah, that was my thing too. I was like, we're just going to pretend like little Susie does this all the time. Susie, Susie. Like, this is normal. That, yeah, it's, she, it's like you're listening to half of a conversation. Yeah. Part of me would want to see it play out. No. I don't have children, yeah, no. so I don't I don't have a dog in this fight. <laughs> I don't have an e-buzz in this fight. <laughs> but she stares into the television and says, five, yes, yes, I don't know, I don't know. And they all just sit there watching her do this. They did this on Family Guy. Yeah. They, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did it better here. But <laughs> she then puts both hands on the screen. We then transition to the next morning. It just ends there. There's no... Yeah, Yeah, that's it. But in wide shots from a hillside, we see a sprawling suburban housing development accompanied by that peaceful, whimsical score and the opening credits. Like, Danny Elfman, when did you get in here? No, seriously, no joke. I did want to point out that from the opening credits, we see that the film was shot by Matthew Leonetti, the brother of John Leonetti, who worked as first assistant cameraman on this film and would go on to direct Annabelle. (laughs) <laughs> Nay's favorite. A favorite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a favorite of the show. Yeah. He also sparked a lot of controversy because he said that he was on set every single day as the first assistant cameraman, and he said that Spielberg directed this film. God damn. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? So you've been pissing people off since the 80s, bro. <laughs> yeah, but... um. <laughs> I did want to point out that during a making of I watched, Spielberg mm-hmm. said that the intention was to have this ordinary neighborhood right. and allow for extraordinary things to happen with it. Uh, I mean, I'm down for that that premise. Yeah, the I'm, contrast. Yeah, I'm a sucker for things starting one way and then slowly. Right. That's why I was like kind of expecting, like when you set the scene like this, uh-huh. everything out of place, you're going to be like, what the fuck? 
Yeah. So it really sets a good tone for things to start going wrong or for things to start getting creepy. That's why I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. It's Danny Elfman. You know, we're fine. <laughs> this is, you know, peaceful. But it kind of keeps that tone. Yeah. When it should throughout. Yeah. yeah. I, I do want to say apologies to Steven Spielberg because I wasn't trying to imply <laughs> at the top. Yeah, at the top that he has actual skeletons in his closet. It was just a joke. They're not in trying his to get pool. sued. They're in his pool. No. <laughs> Um, allegedly, allegedly 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 i think i'm just very upset about what he said about toby hooper it wasn't cool yeah. no and we it, ride for toby exactly hooper in this house. it's not that i don't like steven spielberg it's just that was very shitty mm-hmm. but <laughs> but anyway after shots of suburbia cars driving down the street kids riding bikes playing around and whatnot the music picks up and we see jeff shaw played by dirk blocker racing down the street on his bike holding a case of beer at his hip you may recognize him <gasps> as Mullins from Prince of Darkness. Ah, mm-hmm. You know what? I feel <laughs> I feel like this show, you know how um, on Seinfeld, he supposedly says something about Superman every episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to become your I shit. Mean, <laughs> Prince of Darkness has to be shoehorned into every episode. As soon as you said his name, I don't know if you saw how yeah, big you were my like, eyes got. <laughs> it's fu- I didn't even recognize him because I was taken aback because we get that aerial shot of him uh-huh. and it looked like a child on a bike right. and yes. it was a sweaty grown-ass man holding beer so bald. i was bald. Yeah. <laughs> so i was shocked by that i yeah. didn't even recognize him and he's sweaty as fuck why yeah. why couldn't one of the dudes with a car go and pick up the beer that's maybe he <laughs> is lost. he the bill dotry yeah. of the group <laughs> oh no yeah. like yeah. you know that's fucked up but some neighborhood kids send RC cars after him, whimsical music <laughs> playing as they cross at Jeff's front tire, causing him to drop the beer and kind of rack himself on the bike seat. Those little fucks. Yeah. 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 Threw that bike at those kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all fuckers. Yeah. The remaining beers yeah. fucking dome this kid. <laughs> <laughs> but rather than fucking whip their asses, he just heads inside the Freeling home with the remaining beer spraying all over the place. Why would you even bring so, them? Yeah. <laughs> don't know. They're all over, dude. Go dump them in the tub or throw them in the yard. I Something. W- Just leave them there. Yeah. Dude. They're done. But I mean, I guess two beers is better than none. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But he goes in the house and just sits there with the beer spraying, just spraying. everywhere. Yeah, and well, they're just like, let's just keep watching. Yeah. I'd be like, like, get the fuck out of my yeah. house, yeah. dude. He's like, is it the second quarter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do want to point out again, I know we've said it a lot already, but this just feels like a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, it does. And for me, I feel like I understand the collaborative effort between the two of them. But to me, it really does feel like a producer just overstepping their bounds. Are you going to ride him the whole No, I'm not. (laughs) It's just really, I mean, to me, I feel like you, he hired fucking Toby Hooper based on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So why are you going to micromanage everything? Yeah. Yeah. If you love him so much, why why don't you let him work? Well, that's the other thing. He wasn't allowed to direct it. And I, oop, there it goes. The reason he wasn't allowed to direct it is because he was working on, I believe, E.T. at the time. Uh And so they wouldn't allow him to do two films at once, basically. And so he had to take a producer co-writer credit. And so that only lends credence to the rumors, which broke Toby Hooper's heart. And that's what I don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's not why we're here today. I know he's not with us anymore, but I still feel... Yeah, yeah. we're still going to respect his name. Exactly. We don't... I don't know if you've heard the show. We do not ever speak ill of the dead here. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Not once. Never happens. But Jeff passes Dana in the kitchen, who is snacking on a cucumber and cheese from some cottage. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It was an enticing bowl of white. It was, yes. She was very annoyed at him, though. And he's just, again, spraying beer all over the place. 
but he finally makes it into the living room filled with other dudes still spraying beer and the men do get over it quickly when a great play is made by their football yeah. team so they're like okay priorities it's fine yeah i can get a little wet <laughs> i know you like to get wet <laughs> <laughs> But we then cut to Diane upstairs singing to herself as she cleans up the kid's room. We get a very hello to my friend George Lucas shot of some Star Wars bed sheets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as well as a Star Wars poster. Yes. This is what I was talking or what we were talking about at the front. Like it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And it doesn't end here. <laughs> but after stumbling over some crushed soda cans on the floor, Diane notices inside a birdcage on the shelf that the family bird Tweety is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. She's initially sad at the sight of the dead bird, but then is a little annoyed that the bird could have <laughs> waited to die on a school day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny to me. I feel like the jokes land in this film. Yeah. They do. I don't, honestly, I, I don't think I could ever do this to any kind of level of success because I'd be so paranoid that the kid would know if I switched out the dead animal with a live one. Yeah. And I feel like pets unfortunately can be an important lesson on life and death and stuff mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know if they were like two or something yeah maybe we'll just yeah. get a new tweety but they're a little bit older yeah it's, it's a conversation and i heard birds have personality right yeah i've birds heard <laughs> when you were talking about so. bird is that what yeah. you're talking about bird? it doesn't matter <laughs> birds are smart as fuck dude i i mean they can speak sometimes yeah which is honestly horrifying have you seen that movie the birds uh, um, once yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may have covered it doesn't matter but back downstairs steve and his friends are losing their shit with excitement at the game when the television unexpectedly switches to mr rogers I fucking laugh out loud at this because one of his friends goes, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I have that in my notes. I laughed because it happens more than once. And every yeah. time the yeah. guy's like, who, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this icon of television I've never seen? Like, what the fuck? I would think in the 80s, everyone knows this. Yeah. Dude. Everyone does. But Steve inspects the TV, switching it back. But then it changes again. He then realizes it's an issue with his neighbor, who just so happens to have the same universal remote. So he pokes his head out the window and starts to argue with his neighbor, Ben, played by Michael McManus. Ben says that his kids want to watch Mr. Rogers, and obviously the men want to watch the game, so they get into a battle with the remotes, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, yeah the whole dueling remote. I was yeah. like, this is silly as fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, what it is happening? It just feels weird. I don't know. But I feel like it works to set this lighthearted tone yeah. Yeah. to start. I mean, I know we're going places. Again, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it makes sense." He's you gonna be put mad at me for silly yeah. in there, <laughs> so that it's not so scary when it happens later. Yes, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And they do, they do like kind of do this a lot after a really scary moment. Yeah. They try to make you laugh. They don't let you sit in it. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, ha ha. Yeah. Like, we're fine. Everything's fine. JP's like, if they put That's a like- fucking <laughs> ghost in a bike basket, <laughs> I am, yeah. I am suing. <laughs> But back upstairs, Diane heads to the bathroom with Tweety in hand. She primes the toilet with a flush, ready to drop the bird in, but gets caught by Carol Ann, who gasps. Thank you for treating Tweety with the dignity and respect <laughs> that he like, deserved, flush Mom. Flush this bird like a turd. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it's, it's dude. Pretty tough. We can't have a moment. Yeah. You're no. not going to replace it. No. You know, you can't replace it. The kids are home. So right. you were just going to, oh, what, Tweety flew it's away? Gone, like, what yeah. were you going to say? I, you know, the caged bird you know sings or whatever yeah. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know rarely it rarely sings that's the exact opposite of the fuck i was talking i about. was gonna say the same thing why not bury it 
Yeah. Have and a, then why moment. are you taking your sweet ass? If you're going to yeah. flush it, you're standing there looking at it. And the shut door the door. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, shut the door. <laughs> what are you doing? It, it reminded me of when she flushed, uh, when Julia fr- flushed Frisky on Nip Tuck. Uh, Nip-tuck. Oh, why does it fuck. always come back to Nip Tuck? Because everything comes back to Nip Tuck. <laughs> but the thing was is that I don't know that a fucking toilet pipes can handle an yeah, entire bird skeleton if it the, couldn't handle a gerbil i was gonna say that was so funny on nip tuck because it backed up the toilet and the plumber came and he was like you sicken <laughs> me <laughs> dude she said he goes there'll be no charge <laughs> he was fucking I don't disgusted. Want your money yeah i mean i don't blame him it was pretty rough but in the backyard, Robbie saunters. I say saunter because he was walking so casually. No, he was. He was fucking sauntering past some flowers over to a large, threatening tree. He looks up at it, and the branches make it almost look like Goro from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's frightening. It's very scary. But he starts to climb it, which I did not expect. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to run away in fear or something, because that's what I would have done at age oh, 30. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> But in the kitchen, Diane puts Tweety into an old cigar box with Carol Ann saying Tweety hates that smell, asking her mom to put a flower in with him, which she does. Carol Ann takes the box and puts it on the dining room table. She puts the rest of a Twizzler she was eating inside for the box for when the bird gets hungry, then places a Polaroid of her, Robbie, and E-Buzz inside the box for when Tweety gets lonely, and then places a paper towel over him for when it's nighttime. Diane places the flower inside the box, closes it, and consoles her crying daughter. It was so touching. Yeah. Like I would be fucking <laughs> sobbing. It was very sweet. Diane yeah. held it together very well. <laughs> I would like that. It was so sweet and touching. I will say that I don't think she understands death yet because she just wasted half of a perfectly good <laughs> Twizzler. But I mean, in all honesty, I would say, are we a Red Vine family? So. Oh yeah. I mean, you can throw the. You can just put the Twizzler in the garbage. The it's Red Vines, big alligator mouth Twizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> Are we our shots fired? Greater than Twizzlers. I'll, are those shots? Or facts? If you're over <laughs> six years old and you're and you would pick a Twizzler over a red vine, we have to have a conversation. Nay, John you, Paul, why are you not saying I'm anything? not eating either <laughs> one of them. I don't. <laughs> Nay, you just cut our audience in half. Yeah. So I hope it was worth it. You know, actually, both are great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Outside, Robbie sits high up on one of the branches, watching as clouds encroach on the sky over the neighborhood. Just below him, Diane places the bird box into a very uh, shallow grave. Mm-hmm. I had to yeah. put a Norm reference in here. <laughs> Burying Tweety under a layer of dirt. Carol Ann does the Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep prayer, which I thought was called the Lord's Prayer, but it's right. just called Now I Lay right. Me Down to Sleep. <laughs> What's That's the Lord's it. Prayer then? Isn't the Lord's Prayer the one where you say the Lord and <laughs> stuff? I don't know, dude. Well, I'm not religious. I mean, I just watched all of Midnight Mass, so I'm right. basically an expert. Uh-huh. But oh. I, uh, we're theologians, aren't we? Now, <laughs> at this point, you sounded so disappointed. <laughs> I do not know the Lord's Prayer. No. Yeah. I'm sure someone will share it. Yeah. Anyway, but th- for Dana, the cringe is real as she munches some celery, but Diane's like stifle it, forcing her down to crouch next to them. Robbie calls out, asking if when the bird is all rotten, they can dig it up and see the bones. Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, she scolds him Ooh, in her defense. Be in trouble. But she tells him to get down from that clearly evil tree. <laughs> <laughs> the dog begins to dig up the bird box and Diane... Ru- the bird box. The bird box. I didn't even realize. <laughs> Sorry. But Diane rushes to stop him as Carol Ann excitedly asks if she can get a goldfish now. Tweety isn't yeah. even cold. No. Put some respect on this damn bird's Let name. Let him at right. least finish the fucking Twizzler before you start replacing <laughs> him, please. 
But that night, a storm rages outside as Carol Ann feeds a couple of goldfish. I was like, ask and you shall receive. (laughs) That was fast. fast. I read on IMDb that Heather O'Rourke got to keep these goldfish. Oh, nice. I thought that was very sweet. She seemed to really enjoy them. Yeah. But we pan from a clown doll sitting in a chair over to Robbie sat on his bed reading a Captain America comic. So that's two America things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... Can you veto your kid wanting a creepy fucking like that doll on the chair? I don't know. Not really, because my mother-in-law, when the kids were smaller, gave them some very scary ass mm-hmm. dolls one time and I hated them and there was nothing <laughs> I could do about it. <laughs> well, you could have said, you know, they got lost in transit or something. <laughs> no, they the- got up and left. Yeah. <laughs> and they would believe they it. They could have. <laughs> the kids liked them. <laughs> they did. I did not. But that clown at the end of the bed, that's just nightmare Terrifying. Fuel. Yeah, no, it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. But she's going to kill those fish. Oh, she's yeah. She's still feeding them. <laughs> They're like, please, yeah, we're she's full. <laughs> she's still back there feeding them. And <laughs> <laughs> while he's reading, she's yeah. still just dumping it. But the lightning flashes outside the window, casting a shadow of that evil tree against the wall. Robbie gets up slowly and stares out of his window at the tree, which is definitely striking a come at me, bro, fucking pose. (laughs) I would have immediately closed my blinds. Oh, yeah. I was like, you already look mad at me. I don't need to, you know. Is this for climbing you earlier? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. But he just, yeah, sits back on his bed and goes back to reading instead. I'm like, come on. You're obviously scared of it. But Diane pops in to check on the kids, gently admonishing Carol Ann for overfeeding the fish. She tucks her into bed, joking that if you overfeed a goldfish, it'll grow into a shark. Yeah. And she playfully chomps on her neck as Carol Ann is absolutely living for this joke. Yeah. <laughs> she should have been like the shark from Jaws. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She's like, you know, Carol Ann? Nah. Great, great film. I wonder who made it. <laughs> Pulls out the VHS. Yeah. Like, right you want to watch it before bed? But as she turns the lamp off, Carol Ann stares at the fish like, you know, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> she looks very afraid. <laughs> But Robbie is worried about the storm that's headed their way. So Diane tells him that if he goes to bed right now, he'll be asleep when it gets here. She turns off his lamp, but Carol Ann reminds her to turn on the closet light before leaving, which she does. They say their goodnights and Diane leaves the room. I do. First of all, there was an alien poster on the wall, which was very cool. Yeah. But this feels like a very lived in family. Oh, yeah. It really does. I was going to bring that up in the next scene with the parents, especially. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, it's not. I like watching shit where the the married couple actually likes each other <laughs> or actually interacts with each other or feels like they're actually together. Right. Yeah. And you definitely get that here. Like you believe it, it. it really yeah. does feel like a real family. I think we kind of talked about that a bit with Margot Kidder and James Brolin last week. Yeah. Right. Where if you put, maybe it's just chemistry between actors. Yeah. Because there's really no real history that they talk about completely. Like, remember that time we went to the Bay? And, remember you know, when we got right, married? Yeah. <laughs> Nine years ago today or whatever. It's it, it just feels like these actors are not acting and it's refreshing. Yeah. But in the master bedroom, Diane and Steve are smoking pot while watching the 1943 film A Guy Named Joe. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by this. I was surprised no, as I well. I can dig it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like not getting high just in bed. Like, yeah. Y'all, y'all didn't even go on the porch. But <laughs> this is never like, this is like normal. Nobody. Yes. There's nothing wrong with it. This is, and that's one thing that I will say I absolutely loved. Yes. There's no stigma behind it. There's no, it's just, this is what we it's do. It's just what they're that's doing. It, they yeah. could have been eating popcorn they're and it would have been the same yeah. thing. They're still parents. Yes. They yeah. still go through everything. Everything's fine. 
I think that's what stuck out to me is that they showed their they're a happy couple. Right. They showed that they're successful in whatever field they're oh, in. Oh, yeah. yeah. They showed that they're great parents and they smoke pot. Smoke a little ganj. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, like, you know, yeah. you understand because they were getting high, high. Like oh, they, no, they were. were. <laughs> <laughs> they were. But especially at the time, it's just a little surprising. It's and very yeah. surprising. For how wholesome yeah. this movie yeah. is, it, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And again, rated fucking yeah. PG. <laughs> But I did want to talk about the film that they're watching. Mm -hmm. It's a film called A Guy Named Joe. And when Spielberg first met the co-writers of Poltergeist, the Mm -hmm. guys who actually wrote the screenplay, because I think he just wrote the treatment. Right. um, It was to talk about them remaking A Guy Named Joe with him. All right. And so the other idea brought up at the meeting was Poltergeist, which they obviously made instead. Right. But Spielberg would go on to remake this film in 1989. And so it's like... Like The Thing and yeah. Halloween. <laughs> and again, this would make a lot of sense to put this in here if Spielberg directed this film. Right. But you're kind of fucking shoehorning your shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, what I heard was Toby Hooper didn't really say a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that from your pal, Steve? <laughs> Just kidding. Another thing I did want to point out is that in A Guy Named Joe, it features Drew Barrymore's great uncle. Oh, oh hey. right. and we all know that she would star in E.T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she actually auditioned to be Carol Ann in this film, <laughs> but Heather O'Rourke obviously got the role. Right. Yeah, but Spielberg kept her in mind, and the rest is history. All right, love Drew Barrymore in oh, this yeah. house. D- yeah, she's great. I adore her. But Diane is reading up on sleepwalking, saying that she thinks it's genetic. Carol Ann last night and all last week, and her when she was ten. I was like, so this has been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, I guess that makes sense then why they weren't freaking out. They're like, oh, she's just sleepwalking I guess, again. But it's just been a week. And it, was she having a full-blown conversation yeah. every night? That's what... It's not the sleepwalking so much. It's that, oh, I don't know. Like, you're answering something. Yeah, yeah that's true. I don't like it. No. Well, I remember when we were kids, you sleptwalked and you, Here were, we go. you were looking for an apple. I was. That, uh, <laughs> that was not in your dresser, but you <laughs> still tried. I mean... But... I, I was muttering to myself. I no, wasn't yeah. like, oh, no, my app. No, on my- time out. Because <laughs> mom and dad Let were like, rewrite what? history. <laughs> God damn it. it. Mom and dad were like, what are you doing? And like, I'm looking for my apple. Like, don't you understand? And so you, fools. you say weird shit. So, I mean, I wouldn't be, I don't know if this has been going on for a uh, week or two. Yeah. When my oldest daughter was younger, she used to sleepwalk. It wasn't as bad, uh-huh. but I would just kind of lead her back to her room and then, you know, go back to bed. Yeah. Okay. And then she just go to sleep. So she wasn't having a full conversation with the static ETV. No, but I mean, I'm also asleep and then I just... You're like, maybe she wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I just guided her back. That's all I remember. <laughs> well, I wake up for the smallest shit. Yeah. So yeah. if I hear something, I'm going to get up. And then seeing that, I'm like, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then I just realized, oh, she's sleepwalking. I was like, well, fuck. They say you should never wake a sleepwalker, but I don't know if that's a hoax or not. I don't either. Mm. I never did it just because I heard the same thing. Yeah. I didn't want to chance it. No. It's like stepping on the Fucking crack. turns the dust scary. and blows away. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh my God, I should have listened. <laughs> but Steve gives up on rolling a joint for himself and passes it to Diane to finish it for him. He then picks up a book about Ronald Reagan, which again, more patriotism. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, also pretty sure the Gipper and his bullshit drug policy would frown upon yeah. <laughs> getting a getting, getting a blunt rolled on yeah, top of him. But you know. <laughs> but fuck Ronald yeah. Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say, T. 
Speak ill of the dead. <laughs> the look on my face I, when oh, I realized what I had done. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Uh, but Diane tells a story about how when she was a kid, she slept, walked, sleepwalked? Sleepwalked. She yeah. sleepwalked for four blocks and fell asleep in the back of some guy's car. He drove all the way to work before realizing that she was even there. But she woke up and she fucking screamed. People come call the cops and the guy gets arrested. But the story ends with her saying that she was embarrassed. It's like, what about the guy? Yeah. Though? Yeah. So what that's, happened? Yeah. That's like terrifying. <laughs> yeah. She's like, man, I was so embarrassed. He's anyway, still in prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. But Diane expresses concern that Carol Ann could sleepwalk into the empty pool once it's dug out in their backyard. Mm-hmm. But Steve sets her mind at ease and gets her to crack up a bit by demonstrating an Olympic caliber swan dive <laughs> and being a living before and after photo by yeah. sucking in his gut. I thought that was so cute. <laughs> it's like he knew how to cheer her up. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. But we cut to Robbie, wide awake in bed, staring out his window at that evil tree. Carol Ann, on the other hand, is still spying those fish, making sure they don't become sharky. (laughs) (laughs) That's when Robbie turns his attention to the equally evil clown sitting at the chair in the foot of his bed. He pantomimes shooting it, but the clown is unfazed. He's like, mime shit doesn't work on me, kid. I'm a clown. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I invented that shit. I don't understand why that clown is there and propped up because Robbie doesn't even seem like he he likes it. No. Is that like an heirloom or something? I don't know. He doesn't even seem like he wants it there. So I'm (laughs) really, I don't understand. And his bed. Yeah. Right. Throw yeah, it in the closet. It's right there yeah. at the foot of his bed. I don't get it. Put it in storage. So throw it in the trash. <laughs> Burn it. Well, hold on. <laughs> but he creeps out of bed and throws, of course, a Chewbacca blanket on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I do understand it's 1982. Kids are probably really into Star Wars. I mean, it's, it's, it is it's authentic to that point because when your kid's into something, that's all they want. I yeah. want yeah. all, you know, Sonic shit or I want, like, that's how kids are. Right. But, but we know that's your friend, <laughs> yeah, exactly. dude. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me and, side but eye. But it was everywhere. It was. There was yeah. a Vader mask. He yeah. had a little Yoda yeah. toy. There was a poster. Probably yeah. his pajamas. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, it, light switch yes yeah thank you that's the most egregious one for me (laughs) we'll get to that in a bit because it actually actively made me angry (laughs) i do want to point out that all these special effects that we'll get to later on in the film were done by industrial light and magic which is george lucas's company and so it's even more i mean i'm not I'm talking shit, but like if I were to make something, all of my friend's shit would be in it. Well, of course. Yeah. I just don't. I feel like it's it's easier when your friend isn't, you know, didn't make fucking <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> because it, it if it's your friend wrote a book and you put the book in a scene. Exactly. Yeah. That's different than your friend making one of the biggest franchises yeah. <laughs> in the Ever. history of the world. Yeah. But back in the master bedroom, Steve and Diane are just flat out horsing around. Diane keeps a death grip on that joint, though, and she's (laughs) (laughs) laughing her ass off. But in the doorway, though, Robbie appears telling them that the storm is coming closer. Robbie's like, it smells loud in here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I know the bird died. Did you guys get a skunk? (laughs) But (laughs) he hops on the bed and Steve gives him a veggie back ride all the way back to his bed. (laughs) Robbie says that he doesn't like the tree that's outside the window and that it knows he lives here. Steve says the tree has been around forever, even before his company built the neighborhood. He says he built the house next to it so the tree could protect them. I think it was a pretty organic way to get at what Steve does for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A lot of exposition, but it doesn't hurt. No. Yeah. I mean, we needed that information, and I feel like there could have been 
cheesier or more. There could have been no, much yeah. worse ways for us to yeah. get that information. 100%. But he tells Robbie that the storm is going to pass and he teaches him that old counting game between lightning and thunder to count the seconds. They try it out, counting to three before the thunder crackles. He promises that Robbie will get to four or five the next time he tries to count. After not taking a phone call from Carol Ann's toy phone, he goes to tuck her in. (laughs) But she says that she doesn't want a blanket because it's too hot. After Steve says goodnight, he waits in the hall as Robbie plays the counting game and actually gets to four. Steve looks very proud of himself and closes the door. I well, I didn't understand. They still didn't close the window. Just close the window. I if it's scaring him. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I like the way he comforts him, and you yeah. know, and all that. Yeah. And like y'all said, it does feel organic. Um, they close the window, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I don't yeah. know. He's like, stop being such a pussy, that, dude. It's clearly, it, it's clearly <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> causing a problem. I'm just like, I don't. Yeah. That's the easiest thing yeah, you could have done. That he's like, you ever heard of the counting game? Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared to death. But he hears Dana on the phone in the next room and frightens the shit out of her when he opens the door to say goodnight. He closes it and then opens it again, telling her to stay off the phone. Yeah. It's real teenage shit. It is. But the kids continue playing the counting game, getting to five this time. However, we get loud shots of crackling thunder and lightning. And then in the next shot, we see Carol Ann and Robbie sandwiched between Diane and Steve in their bed. That made me laugh because yeah. that's real shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like like they do a lot of really funny editing. Yeah. yeah. Like that quick cut is comedy gold, I think. That's we, really good. We don't need anything in between. We no. know exactly no. what no. happened. We like, know the story. Yeah, it was very funny. But we hear the national anthem sounding from the television as the station is going off the air again. The camera lifts from the bed into a wide shot of the whole room, including the TV. As the anthem draws to a close, the camera presses in on the TV as it gives way to static. I feel like that would wake me up. The sound of the static? Yes. It's not like the ocean. It's fucking... No, it's like jarring. I've never... Static has never come on a TV and I'm like, oh, I didn't notice. Like, that shit is scary. Like, wow, that's soothing. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I did want to point out that the time on the TV is 2.37. Maybe a reference to The Shining. Hey, take take a a shot. shot. But we hear whispers in the static and Carol Ann wakes up, drawn once again to the television. She crawls out of the bed and over to the TV. We see shining spots in the static. And as Carol Ann reaches out to them, a ghostly hand shoots out of the television. It dissolves into a smoke that hovers above the bed. But then out of nowhere, a beam of light blasts from the TV into the wall above the headboard of the bed. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this shit is it was just uh we couldn't even hear whispers yeah. last night. Yeah. Now it's just now we're fucking doing this shit. This is pure escalation. <laughs> yeah. God damn, dude. It's like, oh you couldn't hear me, huh? <laughs> Speak up, you say? No. But as it disappears into the wall, the entire room begins to shake, waking up everyone in bed. They look at Carol Ann, who stands at the foot of the bed, and she looks at them, the static still behind her, and says they're here why are there never follow-up questions the scene ends who is they <laughs> how do you know what's going on what did you hear what the fuck why is the room shaking um and why well, are you sing-songy because <laughs> why are you so no, chill, why did you wake us up for that like you couldn't have waited till morning can't tell yeah. us at breakfast yeah Shit. what the fuck they're just like anyway like this thing's yeah. just over it is and then when we return to the family in the morning it's not the first thing they talk about yeah, yeah. i'm all. like y'all are too chill way too chill yeah but the next morning, we see construction workers digging out a hole for the pool in the Freeling's backyard. In their digging, we see Tweety's cigar box just fucked off into a pile of dirt. 
Poor Tweety. Just disrespect. Absolute disrespect. The bird should have been named Rodney Dangerfield, but (laughs) (laughs) he gets no respect. No respect. You know, the only bird that I would allow to be disrespected this much is the bird from the cabin in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that bird. That bird deserves all the hate. Fuck that bird forever. (laughs) But as the kids enjoy their breakfast, Steve is on the phone trying to convince the person on the other end that there was an earthquake last night, despite no mention of it on the radio. Robbie feeds E-Buzz a whole ass waffle under the table, which, you know, made me realize it's been a, too long since I've had a waffle. Yeah. Man, waffles are great. They're great. I am very, the highly suggestible yeah. type. <laughs> we should get waffles after this, but <laughs> <laughs> a mini food fight ensues as Diane passes out more waffles. I laughed out loud because Robbie calls Carol Ann a barf bag and Carol Ann calls him a doggy bag and Diane goes, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, You've, you're improving. Uh. That's fantastic. <laughs> but Diane finally asked the important question. What did Carol Ann mean last night when she said they're here? Yeah, we have this little cute back and forth. I'm like, yeah. everybody shut the hell up. Yeah. Because I need to hear about the TV people. Like, yes. what are you talking what about? What is this? Nobody's eating breakfast until I find <laughs> out what the fuck's going on. But that's all Carol Ann replies with. She says it was the TV people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The jokes between the kids continue as Robbie raises his glass of milk to take a drink, but the bottom of it shatters, spilling milk on Dana's homework, and she rushes off pissed. No one is concerned. Yeah. I rewound it. I was like, did he no. hit it on something? Dude, no, no, it just fucking explodes yeah. in his hand. And everybody's just like, well, got to go to school. Like, what are you talking about? I will say Robbie's a little bit of a piece of shit because <laughs> <laughs> he spills the milk on her shit, even though it was not his fault. It wasn't yeah. his fault. He goes, not my mess. I yeah, was like, dude, I swear to God. <laughs> like, That's not what that, you should have said. No, that's dude. just little brother shit. That, dude. I, I would have never done that to you. I don't know, man. I know. <laughs> I would I would have been like, nay, let's get a towel. Okay. <laughs> sure. Not sure, my pal. mess. I'm gonna spill some coffee later just to piss you <laughs> off. <laughs> but Steve gets off the phone and says goodbye to everyone, and Carol Ann rushes to a stool at the counter, sitting directly in front of a mini TV. As Diane cleans up the milk mess, Carol Ann switches the TV from Jean Shallot to static and just stares into it. Yeah. Something is going on. Clearly. Yeah, she's acting funny right away. Yes. Well, just turn it off. Uh, yeah, just turn it <laughs> no off. No TV for yeah. you. And as we've determined, the TV is definitely a, playing a huge well, part yeah. in this. Yes. So I don't know. But this is when Robbie looks down at his plate, slowly picking up his utensils to see that they are all bent to hell. Which is creepy. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, no. No. That's all I got. <laughs> no, no, please. No, please. No for me. Put me down for no. <laughs> But outside, the construction continues as Dana snags her bike to head to school. The workers take notice of her and start catcalling. Dana responds by flipping them off in three different ways. And Diane watches from the window, chuckling to herself. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I... We'd be whooping I'm, some construction oh worker God, ass. Oh my God, you're fucking fired. Get off my yes. prop. She's a teenage girl. I think it's, she's 16, we learn later. She is right. a teenage girl. I was a little confused because I was like, okay, maybe she was waiting to see if she was gonna stick up for herself but then again it's like but she's a, a kid yeah it's like that's your kid yes uh-huh. you should have at least been out there right away and be like what the fuck's going <laughs> yeah. on i don't i feel like i don't fully know how to explain it but i have issues with the way dana's character is handled at all in this film not great like the way that they treat her and the way that they have her she is honestly not even needed 
No, it could have really just been Robbie and Carol Ann. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll talk more about it as we go on, but it starts here. And it's gross. She's a kid. If you just wanted a character that dudes are going to ogle. Make her or college or something. Make her, you know, Diane's sister that's staying here for a while. Or, you know, so Dana's back from college. Right, right. The way that they do her, not only here, it is weirdly sexual and it's gross. Like, the, I, yeah, I just a, have a huge problem There's a couple things later. There's, there's more. It's the, every yeah. time she's on screen after this, it's something. It bothered me. There's it one that was me. weird. There's one detail at the very end that I didn't yes, even notice until my latest was, rewatch. It wasn't necessary. No. Like, we'll talk about it when we get there, but it pissed me off <laughs> no did it really <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm usually usually super chill oh yeah <laughs> but i didn't like it cool as a cucumber in that uh bowl of white <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that's me right but yeah it's starting here i was like ooh, i don't like yeah. that and you know this is a movie from the 80s and there are a lot of uh, of movies that it's like ooh, that didn't age well not that it of was course. ever okay right but i kind of chalked it up to that here where i'm like oh i bet he wishes he could take that out oh, yeah. right but it keeps happening now i do want to point out i do like that she sticks up for herself i yeah. do too but that's I, a great moment I for don't her like but that diane's just like yeah get it girl yeah <laughs> it does not it does not end here you're no. fucking fired no. someone's <laughs> someone's going under that steamroller yeah. <laughs> calling the police but diane turns around to scold e-buzz for trying to eat robbie's remaining breakfast she pushes all the chairs in at the table reminding carol ann that she just told them to push their chairs in when they leave she then notices her daughter is becoming one with the television and tells her that she's going to ruin her eyes and that it's not good for her. So she switches the TV to an incredibly violent war film. <laughs> That's what uh, I thought it was like a Western or a shootout or something. Yeah. I was like, you, what the hell? Yeah. You're going to hurt your eyes looking at that. Yeah, bang, bang. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> watch yeah. the people die. It was even the Wilhelm scream. It made me laugh. But again, I feel like there's a little bit of commentary there. Maybe with the TV, maybe they're trying to say that the TV is, you know, yeah. doing something to households. I can see that. And you it's know? not wrong. Yeah. No, it's in, it's entertaining them now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's bringing joy. Yes. But Diane heads upstairs to wet a towel, but notices that the dog has jumped on their bed and is barking loudly at the spot on the wall that the fucking TV shot into last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess she didn't see that, so she doesn't really right, right. have that knowledge, but she asks what he's doing, but he hops down and grabs a toy and returns to the wall, dropping the toy in anticipation of playtime. Yeah, that, <laughs> I would have been like, all right, nope. <laughs> like, yeah, what is going on? Oh my god, that's terrifying. I don't want to say that the dog was smiling, but the dog yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dog was looking up and smiling. He was having a great time. He was. <laughs> But Diane does look a little weirded out, but not enough for my taste. And she just returns to the kitchen and finds one of the construction workers <sighs> reaching in through the window to drink a cup of coffee and taste her sauce on the stove with a spoon and put it back into the pot. So this was another one of those scary to comedy things. Right. I, Good point. Like, I mean, I immediately. Yeah, it was I, right I didn't away. even read it as commentary. I was, or uh, comedy. I was very angry yeah. well no yeah that's <laughs> but, disgusting disgusting uh, are you fucking kidding me dude even if you hadn't just cat called my teenage daughter i'm whooping that ass yeah, yeah. you put it in your dirty who fucking does, mouth who does that and she's like just handles it playfully <laughs> yeah. and she's closes like, the blinds get out of here yeah. like well that's the only reason i called it as the comedy because i was like you're not mad no, no it definitely was supposed to be comedy but and she calls him by name yeah, yeah. I would have I would have been very no. upset. Well, he already would have been fucked up from before. Yeah. <laughs> so 
He'd be drinking that sauce through a straw, but it's like, where are the boundaries? If yeah. okay, I know you enough to call you by your first name, but you're hitting on my 16 year old kid. Uh huh. Nah, man. Dude, not it was, son, not it, was today. it was creepy yeah. too because that guy was like, "I love you." Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking gross, dude." <laughs> but when Diane turns around, she sees that all the chairs at the dining room table have been pushed out. Carol Ann reaches up from behind, scaring the shit out of her. Yeah. Well, yeah. Diane makes a crack about ending up in a cigar box covered in licorice, which kind of reminds me of that tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little soon, Mom. A little bit, one would think. Although she did move on to the goldfish very quickly. She did. Yeah. But she asked Carol Ann if she moved the chairs. She says she didn't. Diane pushes all the chairs in and the camera follows her behind the counter as she retrieves some cleaner. But when she turns back to the table, we see all the chairs are stacked on top of the table in a pyramid. I loved this. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's a very similar scare in The Sixth Sense. Fair. Right. Very Very fair. Yeah. That's one thing that this film, honestly, now we'll talk later about how much it took from other properties, Uh Uh but it really inspired a shit ton of things. Right. Yeah. I do want to say very quickly about how they did this because this is a one shot. Yeah. There's oh, wow. not a cut in this it, shot. It's it's so good. Yes. They took her, the shot of her uh-huh. at the table. Then she went behind the counter with the camera following her. Right. A bunch of crew members run in, remove all the chairs, and then they bring in a pyramid of chairs that they've already made. Ah, all right. And yes. Throw it on top. Because I, like, cool. I was like, how did they stack them that quickly? Y'all did nope. not have time to do <laughs> it was, that. It was pre-made pyramid, and it works so well. Right. Very cool. So I guess time to tell your friends to go home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No more of this yeah. shit. But this obviously shocks the hell out of Diane. She turns to Carol Ann and asks... TV people? Carol Ann says yes. She asks if she sees them, and Carol Ann says no. Diane scoops her up, and they get closer to the chairs, somewhat enthralled. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would get that close to those chairs. Yeah. No. But in a pretty neat dissolve, we watch as the table and chairs disappear as we're taken to an empty house with the same layout where Steve is showing a couple around. I liked that. Very yeah. cool. And it really, all these houses are exactly the same. Seriously. Yeah. It's kind of almost, I mean... It weirds me out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But this is phase four of the Cuesta Verde Estates. The Freelings live in phase one, which the couple says has a lived in look. Steve goes full salesman and he's like, you know, we got a saying around here. The grass is greener on every side. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> and they laugh and he's like, all right, I want him back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the husband of the couple says that all the houses look the same. But Steve regales them on how his neighbor fit a jacuzzi into his house as a way to explain how customizable these homes are. But that night, Steve arrives home, and as soon as he gets out of the car, Diane rushes out of the house and pulls him inside to the kitchen, saying he needs to hurry before it stops again. Once there, we see a circle drawn on the floor in chalk as well as an arrow. She tells him that Carol Ann knows about this, but Dana and Robbie are in the dark. Robbie would be scared, and Dana can't keep a secret. She grabs a chair and tells Steve to keep an open mind. No, she says, keep an open mind, you know, like you used to have. <laughs> I was a little rough. Damn, Diane. Yeah. Well, he is reading fucking Reagan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Carol Ann walks in saying, mom didn't cook dinner, but Diane tells her that they'll go out for Pizza Hut later. This is very important in a second. But she tells Steve to watch as she places a chair into the drawn circle on the floor. Suddenly, the chair begins to rock and is then dragged across the floor to another drawn circle on the other end. Diane cheers loudly and Carol Ann yawns. 
She's like she's, super. She's, <laughs> she is. Carol Ann is fucking over. She's like, I've seen this shit like all day, dude. The fact that you're still this excited, I'm happy for you. But I love that for you, but I want pizza. <laughs> yes. Did you not hear I was hungry? But Steve puts his hand over his mouth and walks over to the chair to inspect it. Diane then pops a football helmet on Carol Ann and sits her down on the circle. All Carol Ann cares about is food, (laughs) which, you know, same. But the experiment is a success when she's dragged across the floor into the arms of her father at the other end. Diane tells Steve to try it next, but he looks absolutely zonked. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Pardon me? I think I would have to. That's probably out of character for me, but I would. If if I came home and you weren't scared, you were that. She is fucking over the moon. She if is. you were that excited, yeah, I'd try Yeah, it. but that that doesn't mean that everything that is okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she says that when you do it, you feel a tickling and then you get pulled. She says it's like there's no air, but you can breathe and then you get pulled and, and the scene cuts abrupt as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Now, I... Explain this on Not Your Final Girl, but I will explain it again here. Yeah, that's the only reason I had any context for it, because it's like it's jarring and not in a good way. It's so surprising Mm -hmm. that it is even in the film. Yeah. To me, especially when you have these names attached. Right. You would think they would have found another way around it. Right, right. But here's what happened. This scene was supposed to end with Steve saying, I hate Pizza Hut. Right. So somehow... Pizza Hut catches wind of the rough cut of this film uh. and they're like you hate what? Who snitched? I don't know. <laughs> Fucking Craig T. Nelson. He's like I felt bad saying yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no but long story short they made them cut the scene and they it's already rushed to print so yeah. they can't you know reshoot it or no, whatever yeah, yeah. so they have to cut it abruptly and that's how we end up with this really weird abrupt cut because of fucking pizza hut that's dumb isn't that nuts you're just it's not like you're pizza fucking trash (laughs) yeah and even people saying pizza hut at all you know people are like "Ooh, let's get pizza Hut." oh yeah no you know what i mean that's how i am they literally uh, the second caroline brought it up i was like pan (laughs) the the buttery crust of a pan pizza (laughs) i don't know but i mean if i don't give a fuck what steve freeling isn't my fucking hero (laughs) now i hate yeah i hate it too (laughs) right like you said if anything now i want pizza yeah just mentioning it we should go get some pizza after this. <laughs> pizza Hut and waffles. And waffles. <laughs> <laughs> but very abruptly in the next scene, we see Steve and Diane at the front door of Ben's house, the universal neighbor. Well, the universal remote neighbor. Yeah. yeah. He isn't from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> but after an odd discussion about mosquitoes and a ton of awkward laughter, Steve explains that something weird is going on at their house. And Diane asks if Ben has noticed anything weird at their house. I just want to point something out very quickly because it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it looks like he's just eating a plate of beans yeah. <laughs> uh, was funny to me. And also the fact that, you know, people come to your door unexpectedly. People, you know, or like right. the male person or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I've never been eating when someone came to the door and took my meal to the door. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, I found that very comical. No, it, I don't know if it was just me. My meal stays cold he, in the yeah. house. He continued to eat. He it did. Was very he funny. Did. And also his fucking family tree of who's been bitten by a mosquito yeah. is very weird. Yeah. This whole thing was weird. He's like, you know, I don't think oh. anybody in my family's been bitten. It's like, how do you yeah, oh, how okay, do you know dude? that? Yeah. Weird flex. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're actually immune. I don't yeah. give a fuck. 
fuck? What Have you noticed fuck? anything weird? That's what I asked. Them being high and laughing was the funniest. <laughs> that was funny. Shit. It is great. I wonder if they had Pizza Hut smoked pot and then came over there is what happened. That's what it looked oh, like. Pizza yeah, because they were laughing very hard. We're getting Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah I think we have to. Not a sponsor, but <laughs> Diane gets specific. She's like, you know, dishes or furniture moving on their own, etc. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Ben just stares confused. And that's where it kind of ends. Yeah. Yeah, this whole... I don't know uh, that this scene was necessary at all. I feel yeah. like it was <laughs> it was necessary to explain what's happening to Steve right now in the next scene, but okay, I don't know that it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because back at the Freeling house, Diane is putting calamine lotion on Steve, who is scratching feverishly from all the mosquito bites. And I guess we wouldn't have known how he got those. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But they never talk about them again. No. It's yeah. not like he has calamine lotion no, no. for the rest of the film. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like the flies from Amityville, where mosquitoes may oh, be a part yeah. of it. Nope. No. <laughs> no just not. one scene. He's fine. <laughs> but Steve says that they need to keep this in the family. But he also says that he'll call someone in the morning to check everything out. Diane's like, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters isn't out for two more years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she does say that there's nothing in the phone book for anything like this. And she's right. <laughs> You've looked. Yeah. I've looked. Yeah. I wanted to make sure. In the kid's bedroom, though, Robbie plays the counting game as a storm rages outside. Back in the master bedroom, Diane basically tells Steve to chill out about the phenomena that they've experienced. But he says that no one goes in the kitchen until he understands what's going on. Dad move. Yeah. Which, I mean, I can't fault him. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could be dangerous if they're moving objects yeah. as heavy as a I'm kid. I'm not going to lie. I would probably let myself be pulled across the kitchen, but I'd be a little annoyed if you were letting the kids do it <laughs> before I got there. Because she just put Carol Ann on there. She's like, check this shit out. She and Carol Ann did it like, okay, mom, for the Whatever. 50th time. Yeah. We you don't know what's happening. We would monetize this, I think. Oh. <laughs> kitchen rides. Exactly. Five bucks a piece. Smells funny in there. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> But back in the kids' room, Robbie continues the game, but the thunder is getting closer every time he counts. The tree looms in the darkness, then with a flash of lightning, its branches smash through the window and grab Robbie, pulling him outside. Carol Ann screams, and Diane and Steve rush in to see Robbie completely being scooped up. Yeah, that tree had hands. (laughs) No, it literally had hands, and Uh I appreciated it because I feel like in other films, this wouldn't be happening when they got there. True. So it's like, nah, yeah i'm taking this kid like, i don't <laughs> care who sees well yeah because well how else do you explain the, the smash window yeah. yeah the tree's just standing yeah. there and it's like well, i didn't I, do anything I, I feel like it would be like oh it was probably hail you know what i mean right there's always that moment where shit starts getting real and half the family's like right. no it's not yeah. it's, it's like jp says the dumb thing where the parents don't yes, believe the kids yes yeah. it drives me nuts but here it's like oh, no oh, well, that tree is yeah. that tree's <laughs> after that kid and he's got him <laughs> But they run downstairs and try to open the back door, but the tree is blocking that door, too. Back in the kids' room, a light glows out of the open closet, and we hear a whisper saying, let's go play. No. Yeah. <laughs> nah. That, so I'll put you down for no as well? Uh, no, please. <laughs> that tree, like, kicked that door closed. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it's like, mm, uh-uh. no. Yeah. But we watch as countless objects get pulled into the closet like a vacuum as Carol Ann holds onto her headboard for dear life, screaming for her parents. Now, this was accomplished, I believe, with a massive vacuum because they used the same thing later to Holy get all shit. these objects in there. But at several points, Carol Ann is a doll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I have in my notes, that was clearly a doll, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
Steve and Diane finally make it outside with Dana watching from the window. That was... I get you went to go save the boy, uh-huh. but you just left the baby alone. <laughs> he did. Like, <laughs> completely alone. I don't know if it's a matter of... They're like, she'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she's, she didn't get snatched by a tree. Yeah, but... Although no, she's the but, one that the TV people love the most. Yeah. Exactly, and there's clearly some freaky... Nobody's alone. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's alone right now. We're all now. traveling together. Yeah. We're saving this kid from yeah. the tree. Yeah. They're like, Caroline, you good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> But as an actual fucking tornado wreaks havoc in the background, the tree is literally swallowing Robbie whole. (laughs) And Steve is trying his damnedest to ruin that meal. (laughs) I flashed on Krampus the way that, I mean, I was like, that looks funny. <laughs> That's undeniable. <laughs> like you're literally eating this child. I read that they filmed it backwards. All right. And okay. They the tree was actually spitting him out. It looked good. It looks great. Yeah. And in the little behind the scenes thing that I saw, Toby Hooper was directing from a chair, seemingly on top of the roof of the house. Was he directing? He was directing. He was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg's like mm, just like looking He's mad got his in the hand corner. On his shoulder. Yeah. It's like it's um, like a fucking. It's like a movie yeah. we can't spoil. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) But we have covered it. Yes, it's a movie we've covered. (laughs) (laughs) But back upstairs, Carol Ann loses her grip on the headboard as it snaps, and the doll of her is sucked into the closet. The doll of her. (laughs) But the force of the vacuum pulls both beds, flipping them to block the door. Now, I'm sure the vacuum is very powerful that they use, but I'm pretty sure these beds were attached to like some kind of wire. (laughs) No, the vacuum did it. I don't ever want to be near this vacuum. I'll be like a dog. I don't want any part of it. (laughs) (laughs) But the tree then uproots itself, snagging Robbie's leg with the vine, but it eventually loses out and gets sucked into the tornado. The angle that it happens, it felt very Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the family watches as the tornado dissipates. Dana runs outside and is like, Mom, Dad, it's a tornado. It's like, no shit, kid. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, if it hit the house, it could have, it could have. And then she just trails off and is done. Yeah. yeah. Again, inconsequential. Yeah. But this is when Steve calls out for Carol Ann, realizing, like JP said, that they just left her yeah. upstairs. It's like, oh, yeah, we have another kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. But they rush inside, moving the debris away from the closet and forcing their way inside the closet. They find what appears to be a body covered in a pink sheet and they all like break into sobs like yeah. a cartoon real quick. Like well, you don't even know what's happened yet. <laughs> well, I mean, it didn't look good. It does no. not look good. It could look a lot better. But when they pull it away, it's just that evil clown doll. That fucking clown. Everyone laughs it off because I guess they find the clown very yeah. funny. I would not be laughing right now. No. Because we still don't know where Carol yeah, is. Where no the fuck shit. is she? Yeah. Dana says that she'll check the kitchen, but Steve's like, no. I'll check the kitchen. You check your room, which again, it's payoff for what he said earlier. Only dad goes in the kitchen. Very good writing. But Robbie stands there frozen, staring at the closet. The family checks the entire house, but comes up empty. Diane searches the master bedroom and the TV is on and full of static behind her. When she comes up short, she realizes that her worst nightmare might have come true and tells Steve that they need to check the pool. They run outside and Steve fucking dives into the water like... I guess he practiced the night before. That yeah. <laughs> so that end of the pool already looks deep, and he like dove in there. He did, and it it shouldn't be that deep because it no. looks low. But he's able to submerge his entire yeah. body in it, and it's only been raining. I don't know what's going on. I got to be honest with you. Anyway, while he's searching the pool upstairs, Robbie walks into the master bedroom and can hear Carol Ann's voice distorted and calling out for her mother. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Very much. Totally zonked, though. Robbie starts to scream for his mom, too. 
Diane rushes in to check on him, and as soon as she hears Carol Ann's voice, relief washes over her. As Robbie starts to freak out, Diane sits in front of him, trying to calm him down with the static of the television, kind of creating these really cool silhouettes. Yeah. Yeah. This is when Diane realizes that Carol Ann's voice is coming from the television. Carol Ann says, I can't see you, mommy. Where are you? And Diane puts her hand to the screen. Yeah, it's like, what did I smoke? (laughs) (laughs) Never again. I did read that the kidnapping subplot was not in the original treatment. Huh. The original treatment, I believe, called for Carol Ann to be possessed. Oh, shit. And then when the two writers were brought on. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Those two writers that were brought on later and Steven Spielberg added in this kidnapping right. plot I that like I the, think works better. Yeah, yeah. definitely oh, more yeah. original. Kind of. Well, we'll talk. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the next morning, Steve meets with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> he actually meets with a few parapsychologists at the university. <laughs> they are Dr. Martha Lesh, played by Beatrice Strait. Dr. Ryan Mitchell, played by Richard Lawson, and Dr. Marty Casey, played by Martin Casella. In their office, they interview Steve, asking him about the members of his family who have experienced the phenomena. He tells them about it, including their ages as well. Um, This was a, a sobering everything's pizza moment for me hmm. because I am the same age as the mother in of this the- film. And... Uh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> You're like, I'm Dana, right? Guys? <laughs> I'm what do you mean? I'm not 16. Yeah. Dude, you ever watch a movie as Robbie and turn out to be Steve? <laughs> like, seriously, it's very weird, especially like when you watch when I watched uh, Halloween. I'm like, I'm 30. Yeah. They're like 17. I'm probably closer to fucking Loomis's age. <laughs> you know? I know it's not true, but I felt it. No, he was like, said that his wife was 32. And I'm like, uh, oh, shit. You meant you meant. Like 40, 42, 42 right? yeah. yeah. It has no. to be. Well, We're the same age. It's like when I play Final Fantasy VIII and it says they're all 17. No, they're not. They're, <laughs> they are in my head, my head canon. They are 27 years old because and this a, is a college now. And a, <laughs> in a couple years, they'll be 37 Exa- years old. Yes, um, precisely. No, but that was just interesting to me because I've watched horror films for so long. Like mm-hmm. I was Carol Ann and yes. now I'm dying. It's just... It's interesting. But I read that there was a, a thing where people were like, what? Because Dana is 16 and Diane uh, is 32. And I guess the like canon of this film, they made it where Dana is Steve's daughter and Diane is her stepmom. But I'm like, she could have had her at 16. Yeah. Like, why are y'all being weird about it? It happened. I think the thing, because I think it was in, I want to say the novelization. Yeah. Where they just, kind of why? Who give cares? more detail. But right. honestly... People have kids at 16. Yeah. You had a kid when you were a teen, a kid. (laughs) (laughs) You were a teenage parent. Right. It's just like, I don't know. I thought it was weird. Again, I don't know if it's that 80s thing where they're like, we need to explain. People are clutching their pearls. It's not like the daughter's 16 and she's 20. Like, no, no. now that's trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, they, they, why are you making such a big deal out of it? I thought that was weird. Honestly, get over it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People in the 80s watching yeah. it. <laughs> I'm get gonna over yourself. Get into a time machine and fucking show you what's what. <laughs> but Steve says that there has been no publicity about the events and Dr. Lesh asks him not to start any. So it's not the Warrens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he says that that is the last thing they want. She then asks if his family would allow them to investigate, but she asks kind of dickishly. Yeah. Like, well, come on down, Lynn yeah. Shay. Yeah, Hell shit. Yeah. 
The camera then dips down to reveal Steve looking haggard, and he tells her that they don't really care about the ghostly goings-on. They just want them to find Carol Ann. It was interesting to me that they didn't involve anyone. But I mean, right. what is calling the police going to do? And then and then if they just look crazy... Yeah, then, then now your other kids are probably going to get taken out of the right. house. So it's it's... I don't know... Do you call the but you know what I mean? Like Well, I mean, what can the police do? Nothing, but know. your kids just missing. It. it feels like instinctually you want to call report, somebody. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, they're like, no, we know where she yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the TV. Turn to channel fucking three. <laughs> Wait till midnight or whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean. But in the next scene, Steve returns to the house with the parapsychologist. He tells him that they keep the kids' room locked now and Robbie sleeps with them after the events that occurred. He also says that Dana spends a lot of time at a friend's house, which, what? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Why Why do you have her here at all? I don't know. Because she's not in any of this part. Yeah. Well, yeah. she shows up in like five minutes, though. I don't, I, she doesn't do much, but no, she yeah. there. doesn't. But Dr. Lesh asks how many occurrences they've recorded in the room, and he tells her that they just don't go in there anymore flat out. They head upstairs and Dr. Mitchell boasts about another investigation they did where he caught a child's toy moving seven feet across the floor over the course of seven hours. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's fantastic. (laughs) But Steve grabs the key to the door from his sweater and looks at Dr. Mitchell like, well, then check this shit out. Yeah. (laughs) About to blow your tits off. They've like accepted it and they're like, just luck. Yeah. Yeah. But he opens the door and the investigators watch as various objects swirl around the room. A lamp breaks apart puts itself back together, an incredible Hulk toy rides a horse toy. It's a real scene. (laughs) But the bed spins with the clown on top of it, and we hear disembodied laughter. Books flap at them, and a compass holding a pencil lands on a floating record, causing music to play. We then cut to Dr. Les shakily drinking a a cup of tea. (laughs) Do you remember Dr. Sleep? Something similar happens there. Very much. Again, these small influences. Yeah. You're sure they have to be references. For sure. But again, the editing with that shot. It's funny. It was done by Michael Kahn, who did like all of Spielberg's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think he did a really good job here. Mm -hmm. I do want to say that a lot of this stuff still looks pretty good. The practical stuff. Yeah. yeah. But when things flew at Dr. Lesh, it did feel yeah, a little... It was, uh, it, it was a little dated. You don't feel like it's happening. No. But it <laughs> But a lot of the stuff... Good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For, you know, what they were able to do, you're like, this is impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for as old as it is, it definitely holds yeah. up. Yeah. But together with the Freeling family at the table, Diane tells the parapsychologist that nobody has been sleeping well and Steve has missed a ton of work. Dana is at the table as well, but she doesn't really say much of anything nope yeah but dr lesh tells her that this might actually be a poltergeist instead of your garden variety haunting as this conversation is going on the kettle moves across the table on its own and the lights flicker diane says the flickers travel in pairs which we learn they totally do yeah i love that the freelings are just like oh yeah it does it does yeah that. it's just part of it <laughs> that's what i'm saying they just accepted it yeah it like, just is what it is it's just so funny to me that that's what these people do yeah, yeah. investigate the shit and they've yeah. never seen anything like yeah. that yeah. but dr casey tries and fails to capture it on camera The doctors explain the difference between poltergeists and hauntings. Hauntings are attached to locations and can go on indefinitely, while poltergeists are typically attached to a person and only go on for a short period of time. Diane realizes the problem here. This could end at any time, which means they don't have much time to find Carol Ann. Right. 
Yeah, it's like a ticking clock now, right. which yeah. always adds drama. <laughs> like, of course. What's that show with Gordon Ramsay where he has to fix a restaurant in 24 hours? Oh, it's like you put that on yourself, <laughs> yeah. dude. Nobody said you had to do this in 24 hours. He's like, He's I've got like, to get to work. Yeah. I'm like, dude, yeah, you, you don't. Your yeah. show, it's your show. <laughs> what the fuck? You named it. You can take a break. Throw 12 more hours <laughs> yeah. on this bench. Yeah. Nobody's going to tell you anything. We'll just edit it together. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh that's a very interesting point about hauntings versus poltergeist right. activity that I want to revisit later because fair. I have something of an issue. All right. I, yeah, that's fair. I yeah. know. I, yeah, I agree. But in the next scene, the doctors are setting up their equipment in the living room and Diane switches the TV to static, explaining that they actually hear better on this channel, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense. With everyone gathered together, Diane attempts to call out to Carol Ann. She says they want to talk to her and begs her to answer. Everyone watches as E-Buzz fucking strikes a pose in the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts barking at the ceiling. I'm like, this dog is just... It's his time to shine. I guess so. He's trying to get a ne- the next film. So you guys need me for Poltergeist too, right? right? <laughs> but Diane asks if Carol Ann can say hello to Steven. Through the electronics, we hear Carol Ann's voice say, Hello, Daddy. The Freelings respond positively, and Dana is overwhelmed to the point of tears. Carol Ann asks where they are, and Diane says that they're home, and asks her to find her way home, but she says that she can't and that she's afraid of the light. The tone shifts, and Dr. Lesh tells Diane to keep Carol Ann away from the light. She says it's a way out, but not for her. Dr. Casey sidles up and is like, the voice could be coming from a transmitter in the house. Yeah. we can talk about this later. Yeah. Like, like you don't need to be. We're experiencing it right now. Yeah. Do you remember the balloon boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did this for a show. Yeah. Of course I remember that shit. And then. You think he got grounded? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid he might have gotten worse. The next time they were on TV, they asked him about it and he just threw up. Like that kid was going <laughs> through some shit. His parents allegedly. <laughs> are trash. Are trash. <laughs> <laughs> But Lesh is like, this isn't a hoax. It ain't Amityville, bro. She didn't say that, but (laughs) she should. But Dr. Casey heads upstairs. Of course, after he does so, a light flashes overhead, complete with smoke, as a bunch of old jewelry falls from the ceiling. They're all very confused by this, but Carol Ann calls out saying that someone is there with her, and she asks if it's her mom. She calls out for help, and Diane begs Dr. Lesh to help her. We then hear thumping noises, and Carol Ann's cries grow fainter until they're gone. Diane inches her way up the staircase, but then a breeze blows through her and she gasps. When she collects herself, almost in disbelief, she says it was Carol Ann and that she just moved through her. In tears, she says she can even smell her, getting Steve to confirm it's true after he smells her scarf. Dana's hands are clasped in seemingly in prayer. Mm-hmm. And after Dr. Lesh smells the scarf, Diane says, she went through my soul. Dr. Lesh is like, I don't know what she smells like. <laughs> yeah, but It just smells like a scarf to me. <laughs> but with everything you see, how can you even think there was a hoax or how can you... Right. Yeah. With- I mean, I, I understand that you have to go into it with you know some skepticism of course right but i feel like the you're flying room though yeah, I mean, yeah. that's dude, true no shit. Yeah. they, they did see that, that. Yeah. and then whenever the kettle moved across the table they looked under the table and didn't see shit yeah. Yeah. fuck off dude <laughs> but just then we hear heavy footsteps on the staircase and with a growl a strong wind blows through the living room along with flashes of light forceful enough to knock everyone to the floor 
I bet those ghost hunters want to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> you still, yeah. you know, he's transmitter? Sure, yeah. See, what sucks is Dr. Casey's still upstairs, so he's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. So this was brought up whenever I was on Not Your Final Girl, but I did want to bring it up here because I rewatched it for this recording. Mm-hmm. But the voice of Carol Ann, the disappearance, very reminiscent of Little Girl Lost, the Twilight Zone episode written by Richard Matheson. Mm. So he got no credit for this film at mm. all, of course. But there were rumors that I read Spielberg approached him years prior to adapt Little Girl Lost into a film. Right. Oh. So take that, you know, what you will. Uh, not a good look, Steve. No, uh, not at all. That's one of the skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever Candace and Ariel were talking about it, all I thought about was the episode of The Simpsons, Homer 3D, whenever he's in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's that where's the money credit? for that shit? Yeah. <laughs> but that was based on Little Girl Lost, and it feels like Poltergeist, it doesn't was. it? So if that's not fresh oh, in The Simpsons shit. is, you do remember. Yeah. But according to Ain't It Cool News, which I hate to use as a source, but it was the only source that was there. Yeah, because I learned... Uh, dude, live yeah, <laughs> that dude's a, a piece of shit scumbag piece of shit but in an interview with richard matheson he said that he had a weird relationship with spielberg after this thinking that spielberg was always trying to make up for stealing his idea for poltergeist huh which i don't know yeah again just putting all that out there oh, you make man. why are you make, being so nice to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i guess because he had asked richard matheson to help him out with something and so he did it was like a creative work yeah and he paid him a lot for it and so he felt like this isn't something I would normally be paid for yeah. at all. That's guilt. Why am I being paid for it now? Yeah. But again, speculation, rumors. Right. Allegedly. Allegedly. You do what you will with it. Don't sue me, Stephen. <laughs> Mr. Spielberg. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are not that familiar. <laughs> but we pull back from the static of the TV as Dana lifts her head from the ground and Diane rushes to the television trying to reestablish the connection with Carol Ann. I did think it was funny watching all of them fall. I meant to say that earlier. (laughs) It's the way it cuts so abruptly. You're just like, oh, Oh, shit. shit. (laughs) What I even see. But as everyone gets back to their feet, Dr. Lesh learns that Carol Ann was in her bedroom closet when she vanished and they decide to head up there. Before they can, Dr. Casey heads back downstairs saying that he was going to investigate the kids' room, but then something took a bite out of him. Damn sandwich (laughs) took a a bite out of me. Back to the Simpsons always. <laughs> but he raises his shirt to reveal a long bite mark on the lower yeah. part of his oddly sweaty abdomen. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be sweating too. I man. guess so. Give him a fucking break. If someone chomped me. Uh, yeah. This is, I know a little girl was snatched, but this is fucking escalation. Yeah. This now is different. You're, bite, you're oh, yeah. biting yeah. me? We're doing that? <laughs> and that's not like a tiny mouth. No. Yeah. It's like an alligator fucking yeah. bit him. <laughs> You got fucking sharks in yeah, there? Goddamn. Yeah, goddamn. The goldfish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she fed them too much. This is all Carol Ann's fault. But the parapsychologists very wisely decide to stay downstairs for the rest of the night. Dana, though, has seen enough and begs them to let her stay at a friend's house. First of all, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm out this yeah. bitch. You can stay. <laughs> like, your whole family is here. Yeah. <laughs> It's got too spicy for the pepper. <laughs> it feels like I don't know. I don't. I don't like that. It, I mean, I'd probably get my remaining children out. Right. I don't think that. 
I mean, I'd be staying there, but I'd send them together. I'm not gonna no, let yeah. you go to your friend's house yeah. and then right. send Jackson to my mom's or your yeah. parents or I would no, stay. But you guys I'd, are together. But uh-huh. yeah, they. I'd probably let them leave, but I'd probably make them leave, not let them. Yeah. But. It's something that comes up later, but I found it odd that they would allow Dana to go elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, but I feel like if I was her friend or whatever, I'd be like, "Don't be bringing that shit into my yeah." <laughs> <laughs> some friend, <laughs> you got some weird shit happening yeah. over there. You stay over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll give this a little bit of time, yeah. quarantine, and then you know we'll talk right. about it in, in two weeks, yeah. <laughs> five to seven business days. <laughs> she a <had> package. <laughs> <laughs> But that night, after some atmospheric shots of the neighborhood, we head inside for a lot of whispering. Yeah, no. I I was like, is this ASMR? (laughs) (laughs) It switched. I don't know what happened. It's like, why do I feel goosebumps or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. But Dr. Casey wants to possibly debunk everything, but he's too scared to do an investigation upstairs. Dr. Lesh wants to know where the voice is coming from, and Dr. Mitchell explains that the static on the television is free to receive signals from anywhere, up to and including outer space and inner space. Oh. Yeah, you yeah, hadn't counted on that <laughs> shit. <laughs> but he posits that the Freelings might have an area of bilocation in their very living room, and that if that hole in the ceiling is the way out, maybe somewhere else in the house is the way in. Hmm. Logical. Mm-hmm. Later on, with the family resting in the living room, Dr. Lesh goes to turn off the static TV, but Diane asks her to leave it on. She admits that all of this must appear strange to her, but Dr. Lesh says that that's nonsense. She explains that her field is actually psychology, and parapsychology is more of a hobby with no professional recognition or certification. She's like, I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> I am flying by the seat of my pants, girl. Girl. <laughs> But then she makes with the booze, offering some to Diane. They chuckle a bit about how shaken up Dr. Lesh was earlier, and she admits that she is terrified. She says there is so much that they do not understand. Robbie then asks if he got killed, could they tie a rope around him and have him find Carol Ann and bring her back? Then they could all go live somewhere else. I was like, tie a rope around your corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie, think. Why don't you ever think? You're (laughs) off plans, Robbie. You don't fucking know anything. But... (laughs) It is a very or, sad moment. Like, can we switch kids? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but Dr. Lesh is like, oh, oh, shit. Like, no. it's like, I, again, I have no certification. <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Lesh moves to sit closer to him and says that some people believe that when you die, your soul goes to heaven. Other people believe that when you die, you see a light that possesses all the answers to every question you've ever had. And when you walk into it, you become a part of it forever. But there are people who die who don't realize they're gone because they can't accept the fact that they've died. They just hang around, feeling jealous of the lives of those around them. Then there's another group, those who got lost on their way to the light and need to be guided into it. She relates the angry spirits to the kids at school, how some are nice and some are mean. And Robbie's like, I got beat up by three kids once. Maybe they got hit by a truck and they're fucking upstairs right yeah. now. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> Diane's like, get some sleep. Yeah. Kid. You're already <laughs> you're off plans. You're off everything. <laughs> Just go to bed. But Diane then says that his grandma is excited that he'll be going tomorrow to stay with her. He'll also be taking e-buzz. So that's cool. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But Robbie says goodnight to everyone, including Carol Ann. And we get one last shot of the static. 
this was a very sincere scene. Yeah, I feel like all of this was a really nice moment. I also laughed when Robbie was like, good night, lady. That's what I was going to say. He's like, all right, good night, bitch. Uh, family? It's like, I don't know your yeah. name. It was, good night, fraud. Yeah. I was like, why is she here? Good night, Lorraine Warren. <laughs> no, but I... Uh, I don't know why there was something very sincere about this scene that hit me right in the heart. Yeah. Just her trying to, I guess, chop it down to size enough for him to understand. Right, right. I liked that. And I liked this relationship between her and Diane. Fantastic. I really appreciated oh, yeah. that. There is almost like a maternal energy. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it really makes me happy. But later that night, when everyone is asleep, Dr. Casey switches posts with Dr. Mitchell and goes to the kitchen to find something to eat. He eats an errant Ritz cracker before opening the fridge and shoving a whole chicken leg in his mouth. Fucking then pulling a steak from the shelf. Yeah. No, I have that down. I have okay. that. What the fuck? We know yes. how he felt in Jennifer's body about the rotisserie chicken. Yes. There were plans for that chicken. I was like, John Paul's going to be pissed. Well, why would you do that? That's not your fridge. It's not your fridge. It's not. Nobody buys a steak by mistake. Nobody's like, oh, I guess well, we have a steak. He no. missed it, steak. right? Died by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> but yeah. Right, he sniffs it, yeah. right? It, and what, what throws the it fuck? on the counter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up. It is. There were plans what for that you, steak. Yeah. I did like that vintage Cheetos bag that we saw, though. Very neat. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty great. They should bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> but he sets the steak on the counter and retrieves a frying pan. But when he turns around... He watches the steak go all snake-like and slink slowly across the counter. That was a tongue twister. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, what kind of shit y'all be eating in the house? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we did, that's just what our steaks do. <laughs> that's the slithering steak. That's how you know you got the right cut. <laughs> I, I read that they had accomplished this by having people under the counter right controlling it piece by piece to cool. give it this oh, right. yeah and it looks great yeah, yeah oh yeah again the practical effects are like fantastic yep but when he turns on his flashlight we see the steak rot from the inside pushing out all kinds of nasty meaty badness mm -hmm. disgusting oh yeah it on it grosses me out every time i see it no it's nasty <laughs> it's real bad but the chicken leg falls from his mouth to the floor. And when he looks at it, he sees that it's covered in maggots. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Basically just going from bad to worse. Right. But freaking out, he heads to a nearby sink to wash his face and mouth out. A light burns hot overhead. And in a mirror, he notices a slice on his cheek. He begins to tear at it, ripping the flesh from his face until the sink is filled with just disgusting gobs of flesh and meat. And his face is nothing but a bloody skeletal mess. I feel you, man. I right, get it. Same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was unexpected yes. and disgusting. Yeah. And I loved every bit of it. Absolutely. This is my oh, favorite yeah. effect in the whole film. I would agree with that. And I would also say that it feels a lot more in line with Toby Hooper. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because this feels very out of place yes. for the right. rest of the movie. This is PG? I, yeah. It, I, I it loved it. Yes. We, we were talking about this on the Patreon, and this is what everybody was referencing. Yes. Because, yeah. And the thing is, is that even with the music that's going on, yeah. with the horrible shit that's going on in the kitchen and everything, it doesn't feel too frightening. 
Right. And so when but you see is. this shit, yeah. oh yeah, it's horrifying. No, yeah. <laughs> but when you see this shit happen, you're like, this is not. Yeah. The, I don't think I could have been prepared for this. No. From what and I've it, seen so far. And it yeah. comes oh, out yeah. of nowhere, and then we never take it to this level again. No. Like, no. Just, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> just for right. They're like, now. all right, are we know? We did. We too overstepped much. our bounds. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to point out, according to Fangoria, the guy who conceived this makeup effect was named Mike McCracken, and in a very strange mistake, he wasn't credited at all for this film. Because of a mistake? Yeah. It was an oversight, apparently. That's bullshit. Yeah, you forgot the guy who made- Yeah, who made the fucking best effect in the film. What the fuck? Thought it was very strange. But according to Mental Floss, these are Spielberg's hands. That are ripping apart the face. He said that he was afraid that Martin Casella would mess it up and ruin it. Thanks, dude. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm an actor, right? (laughs) Yeah, so he did it himself. It's like when your kids try to do something, you're like, move, just move, let me do it. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, I was like, geez, man. But (laughs) that's fucking mean. I thought that was pretty messed up. But just then, a light flashes and his face is completely back to normal. I was like, Poltergeist is like, that's for eating their fucking yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> but we then get a transition shot of all of their random machinery at work before checking in on Dr. Mitchell, who is working on a bomb-ass sketch. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But next to him, though, a camera turns on its own towards the staircase, tilting upwards to catch the top of the staircase. Mitchell is distracted by the most 80s song of all time. Yeah, <laughs> this dude's just jamming. He's, I'm yeah. like, man, yeah. you're not listening or watching. No. Like, yeah. I feel like you should be paying yeah. some yeah. kind of attention. The screen's just to his right. Yes. You can see yeah, it it's moving. right there. And then he's got the headphones on. You're like, you just don't care. <laughs> you just do not care. But the screen behind him is capturing what is happening. We glide past those screens and watch as a door opens at the top of the stairs, a blinding light spilling out of it. Dr. Casey backs out of the kitchen, his mind still fucking warped, yeah. and into the living room to get Dr. Mitchell's attention. They watch in awe as the light slowly manifests a figure that appears angelic. I was like, is that Madeline yeah. Ashton from <laughs> Death Becomes <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Dr. Lesh and the Freelings wake up to see it as well. The figure floats downstairs to the center of the room, bringing with it a mighty wind. But in a flash, as quickly as it appeared, it departs almost in like a spiral through the ceiling, yeah. just gone. This is actually a combination of animation and practical effects. Wow. They actually had a woman that was dressed that they had on a kind of a pulley system kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Was it Meryl Street? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> just for the scene. But they kind of glided her down the stairs. Right. Apparently they did it a lot and she was kind of getting annoyed with it. Oh. <laughs> but they... Spielberg's like, let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Fit me for Put that me dress. in the dress. <laughs> but they got her downstairs and then obviously the disappearing right. had to be accomplished with animation. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't really swirl her around like that. It would have... Well... Well, yeah, it was know. they're like it's not the 70s anymore. Right. We can't kill them yeah, for this. Not anymore. But Dr. Lesh goes to the equipment and is like, "Roll that beautiful bean footage." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they watch that tape back and we see a bright light descend the staircase, eventually breaking apart into several lights, and as they approach the camera, they appear to be people. Yeah. And they have like halos. Yeah. yeah. Um this is another instance where in another movie, they'd watch the footage back and it wouldn't be there. Yeah. But it's yes. like, nah, bitch, we're yeah, do- we don't it. care who sees. <laughs> this is what we're doing. And I expected there to be nothing on the tape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they made such a big deal about the camera capturing it. They're yeah. like, no, we're yeah, just fucking with you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Robbie's like, is that our house? I'm like, go to bed, kid. Like, you're, you are no help. <laughs> Where's that fucking tree when you need it? But he's like, all these damn houses look the same. Yeah. I don't <laughs> That's true. Oh, no. It's like, this is the house you were showing this afternoon? Or? <laughs> but Dr. Les says that they're so lonely. And when Robbie asks where they're coming from, Diane says that she doesn't know. The next morning, Robbie and E-Buzz get into a taxi for their grandmother's house. That dog was e buzzing to get the fuck out of there, man. Hell yeah! I will wait for me. I will say though, it made me laugh because before he gets into the car, he turns around to Steve and Diane like, "Find her, okay?" (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, you guys. Yeah, (laughs) the dog is the best part. He is. But Diane tearfully asks Robbie to call her before we watch the taxi drive away. In the kitchen, Doctor Lesh goes through the items that fell through the ceiling, remarking that one of the watches is over a hundred years old, but one of the other watches is only a few years old. So this is stuff that they're dropping, right? The spirits, mm-hmm. which again, yeah, sign me up for no. Yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's frightening. A lot. But she says that she plans to take everything back to the lab and says that she's going to display them. It's like I thought you said no publicity. Yeah. Wow. Lorraine. Yeah. No uh, <laughs> He's like, my husband called and he said, <laughs> he said, he said, get that, he said, get that paper. <laughs> We're going to write a book too, but <laughs> the doorbell rings and Steve goes to answer it with Diane taking his seat at the table. She gives Dr. Lesh her empty bottle of booze back and takes a sip from her coffee. Lesh says that Dr. Mitchell will be staying here and that Dr. Casey will not be returning. I love uh, Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much because you. This dude does not fucking yeah. know at well, all. At least she's being honest, though. Yeah, you know what I mean. Look, got too spicy yeah. for the yeah. pepper. He saw a little too much yeah. last night. I mean, but that's real shit. Yeah, because I'm sorry. Yeah. I watch myself rip and no. peel my face. I'm. This yeah. is beyond me. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, I I'm not back. helping. I'm not. <laughs> You're like, what's <laughs> <Yeah>. next? <laughs> I don't want to. That find was out. a fucking no. warning. Yeah. Yes, I'm gone. Hmm. But she holds Diane's hands and promises that she will be coming back. Yeah. Diane hugs her tightly and Dr. Les says that she'll bring help and not to worry. Diane thanks her. And again, very sincere. Yeah. Yeah, I just love, I love these two. I just love it. It's a great little relationship. It's weird how, like you said earlier, it's, I guess, the chemistry that they have. Because everybody feels genuine. Yeah. They do. And I'll bring it up again. Damn E.T. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? like, Wait, you didn't but even want to say it. Is this no. a horror movie? Yeah. Like, you're what? like, what's going yeah. on? I do want to point out, I think that it could have been a little more impactful if whenever she was telling the story about her sleepwalking or whatever, yeah. she let us into an insight on her relationship with, with her, her mom. Mother. Yeah. All right. Because then it's like, OK, maybe she never had that. Yeah. 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 And this is like her compensating for something she always right. wanted. Because it does feel very maternal. Yeah. It does. But in the living room, we see that it was Mr. Teague at the door, Steve's boss, played by James Karen. He's there to check on Steve, and he bluntly says that Steve looks like shit. Steve does not yeah. look well. No, he does. <laughs> we're, we're bringing <laughs> that back. <laughs> he looks bad. He looks like he has two black eyes. Yeah, yeah. He does. Well, But I imagine you probably aren't well, getting yeah. much sleep here. But he asks if Steve's feeling any better. Steve just chalks it up to the flu. And when Teague notices the television's filled with static, like to the other side of the room, mm-hmm. he's like, huh, it looks like you've got a cable problem. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. <laughs> but behind him, a large piano begins to move on its own across the floor. Yeah. So Steve just fucking rushes him out. That piano's <laughs> like, get him the fuck yeah, out yeah. of here. He's like, we'll do what we did to Dr. Casey. <laughs> <laughs> but outside, the porch light begins to burn bright, which Teague attributes to electrical problems as they walk off the property. That's so funny because he's just like carrying him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, uh, and uh, and this come way, on, and dude. Yeah. yeah. And the house is just fucking up his yeah. spot. Yeah. But he's just making excuses for everything. Yeah, cr- but Teague is concerned about losing Steve to the flu or, quote, other opportunities. Seeing all the screens in the living room, he's concerned that Steve's like creating the internet or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to follow. Like, what the could you be doing? Yeah. But he invites Steve out for a ride because he wants to show him something. He just said he had the flu. You're not getting in my car. No. Yeah. This was before masks and stuff, dude. Yeah. He's just, just free mouthing it. Breathing all in each other's faces. It's gross. Mm-mm. Never again. No, thanks. But back inside the house, Diane, after a moment of hesitation, walks over to the door of the kids' room and knocks on it, trying to make contact with Carol Ann. She opens the door, but after a burst of wind and the sound of screams, she closes it, fully in tears, apologizing. So the room screamed at her for opening the door. I, whatever's in there, yeah. Right? Yeah. Right, I'm naked. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It doesn't like to be disturbed. When that no. dude got went upstairs, he got bit. Yeah. That's true. It's like, stay your fuck. This floor is mine. But yeah. The, but that room's not paying rent. Well, um, no. The room yeah. is I mean, <laughs> you can't be screaming at motherfuckers. No. <laughs> You're not putting in yeah. on this you, shit. I was going to say, you didn't put in on yeah, this. No. But Steve and Teague outside make their way up one of the hills around Cuesta Verde, and we learn that Carol Ann was actually born in the Freeling home. This is actually very important later, I think. Mm -hmm. But Teague asks if she's sick with the flu as well, then remarks that he didn't see her at the house. Why are you so concerned with my child? Yeah. Great question. But he also didn't see Robbie or Dana. No. Yeah. He's like, fuck those. So, yeah, I don't give a shit about those kids. <laughs> he didn't see his wife either. That's true. <laughs> he only saw Steve. Yeah. <laughs> That's just weird. But he then asked if Steve is thinking of leaving Cuesta Verde as they reach the top of the hill. He then plants a shovel into the ground outside of a white fence, saying that that's where a bay window could go, observing an incredible view. He offers Steve the house that will be built here in the future as part of Phase 5 as a reward for being their best salesman. We then see what's behind the white fence, though. A massive graveyard that stretches back as far as the eye can see. Like, Dude, are you fucking for real, man? No shit. But Teague says that they own all the land and have made arrangements to relocate the cemetery. And Steve says that it's sacrilegious. Beyond that, it's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's not okay. Yeah. And did he say that Steve was responsible for 42% of the sales yeah, there? Yeah, it's like, what the fuck is everybody else doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what a fucking beast. I thought that too. I was like, yeah. damn, that's a big number. And you're just crazy. now yeah. deciding to, you should be like, I don't I don't know. See, no, this is real shit though. Yeah. This is indicative of real Now work. that he thinks yeah. he wants to exactly. leave. Yeah. yeah. Because, Let me value you yeah. now. He's yeah. like, I've just been taking advantage of you this whole time. Yeah. But now <laughs> that I realize that's that you could leave bullshit, for man. better opportunities. We're in a fucking phase one yeah. house. Yeah. That's some shit. It is. Capitalism is poison. It is. So <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Teague though to steve's comment that it's sacrilegious says it's not ancient tribal burial ground it's just people now i've always had a mandela effect about this moment it was whenever we covered pet cemetery that yes great friend of the show kent reached mm-hmm. out and yep. said you know in poltergeist it actually wasn't 
a tribal burial ground. I'm going to blame The Simpsons. I think so. You know what it is? It's because of that Amityville poltergeist mashup that they did. Yeah, for on the Treehouse first. of Horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm like, no, it was. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was not. But Homer said it yeah. was. So I think you're mistaken. I guess so. Mr. Teague. <laughs> In the actual film. But this is when Teague drops the bomb. They've done it before. In 1976, all 300 acres of Cuesta Verde was built on top of a former graveyard. Are you pulling my dick, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would I probably beat his ass. <laughs> well, right there I, on the you hill. Know I live there. I'm living yeah. on it. You know I, I live there. Yeah. I'd probably get fired. He puts his hand on Steve's shoulder, which Steve brushes off saying yeah. he never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch, don't touch me. Teague's like, dude, that's not something we would advertise. Yeah. It's like built on top of, <laughs> you know. Like- but, <laughs> but again, though, I'm if I'm your best dude, why are you allowing me to live here and not yeah. saying anything? That's bullshit. Well, he says that the graves were relocated five minutes away. Steve's like, I guess that's okay. And Teague remarks that nobody has complained about it until now. But nobody knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know <laughs> to complain. It's like if you poison my food, I'm not going to complain because I didn't see you do it. I'm just going to lap it up greedily. Yeah. And then die. It was soup. I don't know why Greed- it was soup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But to me... <laughs> this is more why are you so hungry i don't know dude (laughs) got pizza got waffles got imaginary soup that never even came up in the film imaginary poison poison soup soup, even better but the thing is is that to me this is even more in line with i think the comment that they're trying to make about america not only was america built on a graveyard Mm -hmm. it was but i mean they should have made it a native american graveyard because that'd be more that'd be more appropriate Mm -hmm. but i think that they're also trying to show that Steve and his family that basically achieved the American dream. Yeah. They're living in an amazing house. They've got the three kids. They got a dog. Mm-hmm. Probably have a white picket fence. Yeah. But it didn't fucking save him from this shit. Yeah. Yeah. They're still experiencing probably the worst thing ever. I just think that all this America stuff that's happening can't be accidental. Right. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. It's just now hitting me that this mm-hmm. is going to come out on quote unquote Columbus Day. And yeah. I just want to take a moment to say fuck Columbus. Fuck Columbus. Um, right, I fuck got em. pissed off because my kids came home from school with a little thing that was like, no school on Monday, Columbus Day. Yeah. And Jackson had crossed out the word Columbus. I was like, good on you. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. Because it's Indigenous People's Day. Yeah. Fuck Columbus. We can right. move on. But I just wanted to. This episode comes out on Indigenous People's Day. It comes right. out on Indigenous People's Day. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> But that evening, Dr. Mitchell films the Freelings as they tour the house with Tangina Barons, a psychic played by Zelda Rubinstein. They tell her about all the phenomena that they've experienced, and she asks them to hang back because they're jamming her frequencies. <laughs> it's the lady from Leslie Vernon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. She was four foot three. Wow, man. Yeah. Uh. I always get paranoid because... Danny DeVito looks so tiny and so I looked him up and we are the same height and that was pretty sobering um she's shorter than me (laughs) so I was thrilled everybody does tower over her right yeah but I realized that Joe Beth Williams is pretty tall yeah like I feel like she has to be tall yeah right I don't know what I'm talking about (laughs) I think I just wanted to bring her up again because I did kind of fall in love with her in this movie (laughs) but it doesn't matter Tangino (laughs) walks alone around the staircase and into the living room She suddenly gasps and puts her hands to her chest before hurrying up the stairs. Steve very randomly cuts a skeptic jab at 
like yeah I, th- this was another part where i was kind of confused because like you've seen everything that's yeah, gone on exactly. you've experienced it you've you know your little girl somewhere in yeah. a fucking tv world but you're you're unsure about this lady I'm like, like okay I mika yeah like, yeah all this shit that you have no room for skepticism yeah. yeah you've not seen enough right if she came in and was like oh actually we're on mars i'd be like okay now what yeah. now, how do i get girl in back you got yeah. it boss Anybody? yeah that's fine yeah. <laughs> you got it, boss. anything that comes out of your mouth i'm lapping it up like that poison soup yeah <laughs> <Good day fuck. laughs> But he does. He says it to Dr. Lesh and she reassures him that Tangina has cleaned many houses and her gifts are well documented. Tangina asks why the children's room is locked and Steve tries to answer her with his mind. Fuck off, man. Like, what happened? We're too far into the film for this. None of this worked for me at all. If this was the first, like if, if... Say Diane goes to the parapsychologist right. and Maybe. Steve thinks it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Even then, your daughter is still missing in a very yeah. weird way. Yeah. I, I would keep and I know that she said the thing about keep an open mind, but this is beyond an open mind. Yeah. yeah. Like you all saw the fucking spirit no, come down the stairs. You, <laughs> yeah. bi- you've no, been sure. given proof. Yeah. You don't your mind doesn't need to be open. You seen it. I'm like, just so confused. It's, uh, this doesn't work for me is no. what i'm trying to say yeah. but steve tells her that that used to be carol ann and robbie's room dr lesh says that she believes it's the heart of the house and tangina says that the house has many hearts don't like that either yeah Nuh-uh. but steve quietly explains that tangina couldn't hear his thoughts and he thought she was supposed to be a clairvoyant tangina then answers him and basically says that she is but she doesn't go in for that bullshit and I, ooh. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, fuck. I, I fucked you, up. I hope you feel like a jackass. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't know where that was coming from. Yeah. It was, it was, it felt a little out of place. It yeah. did. Buddy, I mean, he got schooled. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. But later on in the living room, Tangina asks for Diane's hand and has her kneel down so she doesn't have to look up so high. This is when I was like, she's tall. Yeah. Or she's short or both. <laughs> it's <laughs> both. I loved this because this is how I'm going to deal with tall people going forward. <laughs> You're stealing that line? <laughs> Come down here. Have to hurt my neck looking up. <laughs> so that's great word. Yeah. I'm going to say it just like <laughs> Yeah. Did you write it down in your notes, like for your real notes, not the notes for the show? Like yes. your notes for life? <laughs> <laughs> my life notes. But she assures Diane that Carol Ann is alive and in this house. She then asks where the last incident of bilocation was, and Dr. Lesh points to the ceiling. Tangina says that she feels like the point of origin is the children's closet and asks Diane to be strong for her and Carol Ann. She asks her if she'll do whatever she asks, even if it contradicts her beliefs as a human being and a Christian, and Diane promises all of the above. I was like, what are you going to oh, ask me to shit. Yeah. fucking do? We're about to do some <laughs> freaky shit. It's like, I've brought a goat and we need to. <laughs> it's like, oh my oh, God. Shit. But Tangina then invites everyone to crowd around. Don't be shy. (laughs) She (laughs) explains that there is no death. There's only a transition to a different plane of consciousness. She says Carol Ann isn't like the spirits, so the spirits are attracted to her life force. The light of it reminds the spirits of the greatest aspects of living, which they crave. Their desperation for it is distracting them from the true light that will actually allow them to pass on. Mm Mm-hmm. They're lingering in a nightmare that they can't wake from, but Carol Ann can actually help them cross over. She then says Carol Ann will only hear her mother's voice, but then she tells them to buckle up for the bad news. I don't understand the mother's voice thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, fits into this theme of, like, maternal 
Right, right. There's one thing that comes later that is very blatant that isn't even like a veiled metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll talk about it when it gets there. But Tangina says that there is a terrible presence with Carol Ann, full of rage and betrayal. She says she's never sensed anything like it, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and kidnap Carol Ann. She says it keeps Carol Ann close and is using her to restrain the other spirits, but Carol Ann thinks it's just another child. But to them, it's the beast. The beast? Yeah. We're naming these things? I don't want any (laughs) part of this. No. But then, in a very succinct mission statement, she tells them, let's go get your daughter. Bet. Very action movie. Very yeah. fair. Yeah, I was That's like, fair. Right. It's been rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a dry cool wind like I, that. <laughs> I, uh, I just love her. Right. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this. No, yeah. The way that she explained it is so sad. And I feel like it's a good device to also explain to us what's happening right. while she's explaining to them. And you know shit was going to get real when she took off those Jim Jones sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Or like if she didn't pass, pass out the flavor yeah. <laughs> Not Kool-Aid. Yes. Kool-Aid again. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll fucking take a Kool-Aid sponsorship. But in the next scene, we see them getting all of their materials together. Rope, red ribbon, handkerchiefs, tennis balls. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think we even see Dr. Mitchell writing on the balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that does come up later. Right. But Steve has also run a bath for reasons yet undisclosed. With everything in order, Tangina instructs Diane to call out to Carol Ann, which she does. After a few dropped calls, Tangina comes with the, <laughs> <laughs> with the bad news. Carol Ann is under restraint with many arms around her. Tangina says they need to act quickly and asks who Carol Ann is more afraid of. Diane says neither, but then says Steve decides the punishment, and he's like, now see here. Yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he gets pissed, yeah. but Tangina's like, dude, argue later. Yeah, we, we need to make her answer you now. So Steve, with Tangina egging him on, forcefully calls out to Carol Ann, threatening a spanking. He's like, I'd never spank the kids. Yeah. It's very, very funny to me. But I love that Carol Ann is trapped in this like unknown spirit realm, mm. but she's still like a spanking. Oh <laughs> shit! And she's <laughs> she's never had one, but she's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I want, I don't want the smoke. Yeah, no, yes, sir. <laughs> and she does. She answers she immediately, does. and she cries out for help. Tangina says that she's away from the beast now, and tells Diane to get Carol Ann to run into the light. And Diane's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. But Tangina and Dr. Lesh assure her it's okay and that the spirits will follow Carol Ann. Very reluctantly, Diane tells Carol Ann to run to the light and that she'll find her there. She's like, I hate you for this to Tangina, which, yeah. It's really sad and really scary. Oh, yeah. Tangina just shrugs that shit off, though, and tells them to clear their minds because the beast knows what scares them. It always has, and it doesn't need their help. I was like, God damn, dude. Yeah. I'm scared. I, I'm going to go to the store. <laughs> I'm going to go over to Dana's friend's yeah, house. Right. <laughs> but she then instructs them to open the door to the children's room. Steve opens the door, and Tangina walks in. The room is dark, but flashing lights are emanating from the closet as well as a very strong breeze. This entire sequence with the lights is really neat, I thought. Mm -hmm. Everything about her stepping into that room was beautiful, including the music. Yes. Like the the whole thing was. When the beat dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Super chef's kiss from all of us. I read that they used dozens of different kinds of lights. Right. You see strobe lights, stage lights. They even put fish tanks in front of some of the lights. (laughs) 
So it would give it like a different kind of uh, diffusion. But Tangina tells Dr. Mitchell to head downstairs to the other side of the portal and tells Steve to hand her a tennis ball. They do as they're told and we watch as Tangina throws a tennis ball into the closet. A blast of light shoots out and we see the ball is expelled through the ceiling right into Dr. Mitchell's waiting hand. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's covered in pink slime. Yeah. Like meat. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Uh, why is it so much? It, I don't know. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the slime from Ghostbusters. Fair. But it was a little more... Uh, Human. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little meaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Mitchell confirms that it's his handwriting on the ball. Tangina throws another with the same result. She then calls out for Diane to give her her hand, which she does, and she's walked closer to the closet. Steve gets the rope ready as Tangina yells that Carol Ann is at the mouth of the corridor and Diane needs to tell her to stop and not go into the light. Diane does so, but I'm sure Carol Ann is like, what the fuck? Yeah. What, the fuck do you <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'm stopping right now. You tell me one thing and I'll fucking do yeah. it. Make up your mind about the fucking light and Jesus then get back to Jesus Christ, me. mom. <laughs> but... Steve throws the rope into the closet and Dr. Mitchell retrieves it downstairs and pulls it slowly as he's instructed to. Tangina volunteers to go in for Carol Ann, but Diane says that she won't come to her. Tangina's like, you've never done this before, but Diane's like, you haven't either. And Tangina's like, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You go. <laughs> she did. I was like, oh shit. I laughed so hard no, at yeah, that. You ride, here no. you go. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Hilarious. Let me help I'll, you tie it. I'll be here because yeah. <laughs> you're on that side. Yeah. <laughs> But Steve volunteers to go himself, but Diane says that he's better suited to hold the rope because he's stronger. He ties the rope around Diane and they kiss and express their love for each other as Tangina tells Dr. Lesh to wait downstairs with Dr. Mitchell and to pull the rope only when she says so. Lesh heads downstairs and Diane slowly approaches the beaming lights at the closet. She reminds Steve to not let go of the rope. At this point, I'm like, Steve's going to let go. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought the same. <laughs> now, don't. I was like, it's happening. But he says he never will. And she steps inside, fully engulfed in light. Steve asks when they'll know that she's found Carol Ann. But Tangina just backs up, putting her back against the wall. She calls out to all the children and tells them to go into the light. And Steve's like, you dirty dog. You told him. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you said not to do that. (laughs) Feeling betrayed, he calls out to Diane and pulls the rope. Tangina screams that he shouldn't do that yet. And we see the beast appear as a giant roaring skull in the closet door. Steve pisses his shit and drops the rope. <laughs> wow, Steve. You yeah. dropped the rope dropped the, the first rope. time a giant beast yeah. screams in your face. Yeah, like that's never happened. I trusted or... you. Mm-hmm, you Mm-mm. promised. But the beast does recede back into the closet. Should have pink- made him pinky promise. Should have. That's <laughs> legally binding. Yep. I do want to point out that according to Poltergeist Online, this was accomplished with a forced perspective. A miniature model of the closet door was constructed in the foreground and mm-hmm. it was lined up with the shot. And they used the model head. And I think they said that the door was like 18 inches tall. But holy shit. From the photos that I saw, it looked to be a little taller. It was like half the size of the man next to it. So unless that man is 36 (laughs) inches tall. (laughs) Like in the door was the size of a thimble. (laughs) You fucking liar. No. But uh, 
I bet it was like two and a half feet tall, maybe three feet tall. Right. It's still impressive. I yeah. You know, I mean, I... no, it's a technical feat. It's like you could balance it on the brain of rice. It's like, no, you couldn't. <laughs> but uh, no, I just, I think it was very interesting <laughs> that they used the forced per- perspective shot right. here because you can't tell. You can't no. tell at all. Yeah. It's very well done. I wouldn't have known that. No. With it, it going into the eye of a needle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The tiniest thing ever created. <laughs> it was in the Guinness book, but <laughs> downstairs we see through the portal as Diane cradling Carol Ann tumble through and fall to the living room floor. Now this to me was a very, you have the rope, you've mm. got them almost in the fetal position. Right. Yeah, they look like they're being born. Exactly. Right. It's like a rebirth. And again, with this maternal theme going throughout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Steve runs downstairs and upon Tangina's instruction, scoops them up with Dr. Mitchell and places them into the bathtub. Yeah, that shit was gross. It was very yeah, nasty. It was Take hard to yeah, clean, clean yeah. yourself up. <laughs> but he cleans their faces and tells them to breathe. Again, like childbirth. Yeah. After a few agonizing moments, they finally return to life. Carol Ann's like, hi, daddy. And they all cry out in relief. She's so cute. Yeah. She's adorable. But Dr. Lesh closes the bathroom door and Dr. Mitchell lines up a shot of Tangina with the camera. Tangina gets ready for her close up. Love it. She fixes her hair and then says the iconic line, this house is clean. I love her. Just the greatest. But the next morning, we see the Freelings are all together again and all packed up with boxes being loaded into a moving truck. Yeah, I don't care how clean this house is. No. We out. This yeah, house will always no. be a little dirty. Yes. <laughs> what? Did you not see Amityville? Yes. Let's go, man. Just leave. Doesn't even matter. You can leave your shit. Yeah. Yeah, and then make up a story later. But <laughs> Dana, of course, bails for a friend's house. She's like, I'm going to head over to... And after this is after they think everything is all well and good. Right. She's like, I'm still going to my friend's yeah. house. Well, she's like, I can't be like, oh, you're only my friend when my house is haunted. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you still need to hang out after. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. (laughs) Shit. But Diane says to be back after dinner because they're not staying in this house tonight, so they need to get together to go to the Holiday Inn. Dana remarks on the gray streak in Diane's hair, asking if she plans to do anything about it, but Diane's pretty into it. I like it. Yeah, it doesn't look bad. (laughs) It doesn't look bad. I will say that it does kind of look like Polly Walnuts from the... from the sopranos but i mean it's not bad i'm still here for it tone (laughs) it's pretty good i think it's good but dana leaves as steve loads one more box onto the truck this is exhibit b of Mm -hmm. what i'm talking about okay Mm. she's like it said that they're staying at, at the hotel or whatever and dana's like oh yeah i know that one and diane's like what and dana's like what and it's like okay we get the joke but yeah, she's yeah. a kid you know what i yeah. mean oh yeah i don't know i didn't like it that's all <laughs> that's all <laughs> the yeah defense rest My- <laughs> the prosecution i'm prosecuting yeah Renee's court. <laughs> Coming to fucking Bravo. Yes, yeah. Sophie said I need to be on Bravo. I think it's fair. I I do agree. I feel like it is kind of weird. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they're trying to create, again, more comedy. Right. But you're still talking about a 16-year-old. Yeah. Yes. And that's not it. There will be an exhibit There will be, yeah. yes. <laughs> but after he loads that box on the truck, Steve asks Diane how she's feeling. And as they look at a smiling Carol Ann, she says that she feels good. Diane reminisces on all the memories that they had in their house, which Steve understands, but he's like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. He says he's going to the office to get a few things, but then he'll be back. And as it turns out, he's quitting his job. So they're really out of here. Yeah. 
Well, good for him because clearly the company is fucking trash. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, and with the work, he's, he could start his own fucking yeah. business. Forty-two <laughs> percent. Yeah, I was gonna say he's doing that good. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need Mr. Teague. But they mouth that they love each other and part company. Later on, Diane reaches the top of the stairs, reading hair dye instructions. But here's Robbie and Carol Ann playing in their room and stops at their door. I thought she was gonna go in, mm-hmm. but I think she's just glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was a small, sweet moment. Yeah. But she then heads to the bathroom and runs herself a bath. There's a red light in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's coming from. She doesn't seem to find it eerie. I like the shot, but it's kind of (laughs) scary. But she gets undressed and puts on a robe, then goes to check on the children. Breaking up an argument over a random toy, she tells them that she's about to get into the bath and ask them if they can answer the phone for her, but also to tuck themselves in. I'm like, well, how can they answer the phones? Now you're doing yeah. too much, Mom. <laughs> My thing, we would not be sleeping here again. No. Yeah. And they definitely, well, not in that fucking well, room. Well, why are you tucking yourselves in? We right, just said I we're not fi- staying yeah, here. Yeah, I was well, fixing to say. I think when Steve left, he was like, if the kids fall asleep, just let him. Yeah, but... but- we, you at, at the very least, if you're that tired, you're in my bed. Yeah, yeah I was going to no, say they're in the master not, bedroom. Yeah. yeah, dude, I don't. They're not like, being alone. Diane. No. Uh, Diane. I was rooting for you. Oh, we were all on. rooting for you. <laughs> we were all rooting for you. But she says goodnight to them and returns to the bathroom. She takes off her robe and steps into the bath. Ebuzz has a front row seat, which is uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> it does. I is it modesty, but I would never get naked in front of my pets. Uh, sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> your pets are peeping Tomcat. So, <laughs> dude, Luna is all up in everybody's business. I didn't get yeah. enough respect for <laughs> for peeping Tomcat, <laughs> so I'd like to restate it to get the laugh it deserved. <laughs> I would like to resubmit yeah. my pun. Yeah, for. <laughs> If it pleases the court, I would like to. <laughs> but I, I just, I, just, I thought it was weird. There, uh, what is watching her in the corner of the box of the tissue box? What? Yeah, there's something watching her in the reflection in the corner of the tissue box. I never saw uh, that. Me neither. Now I gotta Are go you back. No. no. Yeah, if you look in the tissue box when she's like, when she comes back from the kids uh-huh. and she's looking at the thing and messing with their hair in the mirror, uh-huh. if you look in the tissue box, there's a reflection of something right there. Is it, oh, like, is it like the guy with the clapboard and Texas Chainsaw or is it like No, it's like, I don't think, I don't think they're going to have it that tight on the <laughs> no. shot if it wasn't meant I to be I never noticed. I'm going to have to go back yeah. and look. Hey, wait, was Poltergeist the movie? Now, don't quote me on this, <laughs> but was Poltergeist the movie where after like at this point, one of the kids' pictures was replaced with a demonic face and it I took people know. forever to notice? Now I really got to go back. Yeah. <laughs> Hold, please. Hold, yeah. please. We'll be right back. No, I heard that. So if you're uh. watching it, watch out for this scene because that is possible. I heard a rumor about that. Okay, eagle eye. Well, no, it's... it's. Um, well, I said a picture frame. He said a... Yeah, oh, no. Tissue it's, box. It, yeah. It's like the... You know, like... Uh, how your parents have the the tissue inside a different like yeah. a decorative box. Yeah. yeah. Well, the side of it it looks like it's got slits in it, but it's metallic, so mm. you can see it. But you see something moving. Well, like, it, I was it, like, it, well, it might have been the cameraman. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, That's I was true. like, I was like, I was like, what is watching? JP's her? like, it's the beast. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? The dude just hiding in the corner yeah, with just... the camera. <laughs> It's fucking great. <laughs> I def- I am going I back. I, yeah. I do want to go back though. But the kids say goodnight to each other, shut off the lights, and get into bed. 
Robbie then spies that evil ass clown sitting at the foot of his bed in that chair still after everything. I was going to say after everything, we're kicking that clown into the creek, right? Oh, hell yeah. Like you got me fucked up. He tries to throw his jacket over it, but his aim is awful and it just jingles the clown's bells before hitting the floor. I'm sure it was like a R2-D2 jacket, (laughs) (laughs) but rather than attempt it again, he just rolls over and closes his eyes. Diane enjoys her bath, but it appears we see some kind of steam and or smoke creeping in. Mm -hmm. I thought it could have been from the hot water, but we really linger on it. Is James Wan here? (laughs) (laughs) He was an intern or something. (laughs) But back in the children's room, my timeline doesn't add up. He was probably like five. (laughs) (laughs) He's immortal. Yeah. But back in the children's room, we get a shot of Robbie in bed. We hear some noises of movement around him, which stirs him awake. And when he looks over at the foot of his bed, we see that the chair is empty. I'm screaming for my mom. Uh, yes. Nah, uh, yeah. no, Absolutely. Yeah. It starts like that was that's enough. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't need to see anymore. After the tree tried to eat me. <laughs> yeah, like, no. Dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's like traumatizing. Yeah. And y'all are making him dude, sleep holy next shit. to that tree again. In the dark. Yeah. And he hasn't wow. slept there since right, that your, night. Your sister just went in that closet and didn't come out. Night. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sleep well. Sleep hell. <laughs> but he gasps and looks around. He leans over his bed to look underneath and the camera follows his search. When it comes up empty, the camera follows him back to his bed where behind him, the clown is waiting. Its long arm wraps around his throat and pulls him underneath the bed, which wakes up Carol Ann. So it's like they got rid of the spirits. Yeah. Yeah. But while the spirits are away, the beast will play. Right. <laughs> so that's where they're at right but now. But we all knew that clown was going to come back. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it was too creepy yeah. to just not. He's like, hey, guys, get a load of this creepy yeah. clown. <laughs> and that's it. No. Also, I did read on IMDb that the mechanism malfunctioned in the clown and was actually choking. Yeah, I read that too, and that Spielberg was like, "Use it, use it." And the kid was fucking like, "Like I'm dying, I'm fucking dying, man." (laughs) He said he turned blue, and that's when they were like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) That kid's acting his ass off. (laughs) I believe he's dying. Like, how did he do that? That's awful, dude. But I was gonna say seventies, but no, no, not even, not anymore. But Diane hears none of this as we see her sitting at the foot of her bed, blow drying her hair. Finally finished and all the grays gone, she lies back in bed and closes her eyes. Suddenly, she hears Robbie screaming for help and attempts to lurch up to get to his aid, but a force holds her down and starts to lift up her shirt. Yeah. I was like, the is this the entity? Is, uh, Beast is trying to get freaky. Yeah. The entity, yeah. dude. That movie's fucking... We can't find that movie. I know. <laughs> I remember we we were going to cover that because that's that was one of the first things dad had suggested for his birthday. We were going to cover it. We can't find that shit anywhere. But I think it was all on purpose so that we would have to cover Prince of Darkness. It all lined up. It all lined up. Everything happens as it's meant to. (laughs) I was um, concerned at the beginning because I was watching this with Ari. Uh And then when I seen the goat, I was like, fuck, how am I going to tell her to leave? This is PG. (laughs) I thought. But she fights against it. But in a very technically impressive shot, she tumbles up the wall and across the ceiling. Yes. She slinks back down to the floor and is able to exit the bedroom. Now, according to Fangoria, with their interview with Toby Hooper, Mm -hmm. he said that this was the largest gimbal ever constructed at the time. Holy shit. And they used it to tilt the entire room and left the camera stationary. 
So that's how they're able to get this yeah. in camera. This is all in camera. That's crazy. It, I'm sure we all thought of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it looks super cool. It looks it does. great. And that was what something she said too. She goes, "This looks really good. How old is this?" Yeah. Old. Like, oh yeah. 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 Still impressing the kids. Yeah. yeah. I did also read that originally, and I guess the first treatment of the film, mm-hmm. they didn't really think about a rating, and so this scene was way more graphic. Oh, all right. And, and what? Oh, no. Doesn't matter. The entity? I'll leave it at that. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So in their, in their quest for a PG, things had to be toned down, yeah. obviously. Well, I mean, I don't... It's unnecessary. Yeah. It's very unnecessary. Yeah, I don't know that's needed. <laughs> She's it's trying not. to get to her kids, yeah. man. Yeah. So you're here and you're in the bedroom fucking with the kids? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. But back in the kids' room, Robbie has made worms meat of that clown. He's fucking that he thing is up. Good for him. <laughs> He's got its guts torn out, but unfortunately, the closet door flies open, a light beaming out of it and sucking the clown's chair inside. The closet door closes. The frame now surrounded by vines and fucking orange, like moving sludge. But as Diane runs to the kid's door, we watch as the beast, a roaring skull with large limbs, materializes in front of it, blocking her way. That looked really cool. It did. It did look cool. Um, It was impressive but it kind of just reminded me of jim henson's that like the muppets <laughs> uh, not like a muppet baby yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know but you know what i mean it looked, <laughs> it looked not even uh, just a regular yeah, muppet? Not, no. not, not, not like, like a, a muppet, muppet baby you know like a full-grown muppet yeah like a real one <laughs> but you know what i mean like you can kind of tell i was like oh, no I that agree. looks cool but I was like, that's straight. That's a fucking puppet. <laughs> I almost got like a Nightmare Before Christmas vibes. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. it felt like that to me, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah. But she screams at it not to touch her children, but takes a tumble down the stairs and falls into the living room. She tries to make her way back up, but the railings are electrified. And when she tries to run outside for help, she's zapped across the room by the, by the front door. Yeah. I was like, holy now. I did see that she was obviously attached on wires because oh, yeah. she floated very gingerly to the yeah, floor. She- <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beast, I guess, can be a little yeah. kind. He doesn't. He's like, I've been do. Uh, you've been He's through like, a lot. Like, yeah. I'll give you a safe landing. But <laughs> upstairs, Robbie tries to rip the door open, but Carol Ann watches as the closet door breaks open, light beaming out of it, and simply says, "No more." It's so sad. Yeah. Poor Carol Ann is like, "I was out." <laughs> <laughs> no shit, dude. I was just thinking in this moment is we never really saw what she saw. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of makes it scarier though. Yeah. yeah. But Diane runs outside through the rain trying to get Ben's attention, but to no avail on her way back to the house, she slips and falls into the swimming pool through the mud and into the standing water. As she resurfaces, so do several skeletal corpses. She screams in fear, clawing her way back to the surface, but a large coffin rises up in front of her, spilling open to reveal yet another body. Seriously, man? Uh, yeah. So was it in like their contracts that they can't build a pool? Like, did they not yeah. anticipate anyone <laughs> building a pool? Or They should have warned them. I mean... Now, don't go digging well, into the ground or nothing. Well, I guess <laughs> not. God damn. Didn't he say dude put a jacuzzi in his house or some shit? So you're not not allowed to... Well, guess, but he said but he put it in, in the house. True, in the house. Yeah, but I mean, if he can do that, I can build a pool outside. Oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. Right? But, no, but, right? But I the, feel like the, bodies, the company though. probably should have been like... Right, no yeah. pools. Don't be digging yeah. pools. Um, and I'm just realizing in this moment that the, that, um, Tweety's little cigar box coffin, that was foreshadowing. Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. That's genius. Right. All right. 
All right, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> but she almost climbs out, but super fun, happy slides her ass right, yeah. right back into the pool of waiting skeletons. And so these are real. Right. Yes. And as we learned, we watched the Cursed Films mm-hmm. documentary. The gentleman, of, unfortunately, I don't remember his name, right. that did the makeup, he said that they, of course, used real skeletons. He obviously thought that the idea of a curse was bullshit and offensive. Yeah. But he said that numerous productions before this used right. skeletons. Uh, Frankenstein, House on Haunted Hill, famously. Yeah. I love that skeleton. That skeleton's great. <laughs> we, were, we were laughing at the hole in the top of his head. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have to pull him out. Yeah. But you don't really hear anything about curses associated with them. Right. So it's like, you know, just because it's, it's a convergence of a lot of events. Yeah. yeah. Long story short. But using a hose, Diane finally climbs up, being helped out by Ben and his wife. She should have just made like a ladder out of them bones. <laughs> she could have. <laughs> but she begs Ben for help, but his fucking wife tells him not to go. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? So Yeah, what a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that, but... No, that's what I put old bitch ass neighbors <laughs> for real. Diane just runs back inside alone, making her way upstairs. As she reaches the top, we get this amazing dolly zoom shot, I'm assuming, Mm -hmm. making the hallway appear endless and even extending further as she attempts to make it to the kid's door. If the face ripping scene is my favorite part, this is my second favorite part. It looks incredible. Still. Yes. And it's frightening. Yeah. But she finally reaches the door and busts it open. As soon as she does, her body is lifted off the ground and she holds onto the doorframe as not to be pulled into the yawning mouth of the closet, which now appears to be a glowing orange throat. Yeah. It almost looks pumpkin-like. Yeah, it does. This is a real thing they built. Oh, Holy shit. shit. And that's like kind of the only shot you get of it. Yeah. yeah. But they busted their asses for it. No, but they could they fit this on the head of a <laughs> <laughs> Now, is this etched into a grain of rice? <laughs> But the kids are also holding on to their bed frame for dear life. So once Diane secures herself, she reaches out to them. A tongue slithers out from the closet, but she's able to grab Robbie's hand, who holds on to Carol Ann's hand, and the three of them fall into the hallway. We then see Steve parking the car in the driveway, arriving home to this absolute clusterfuck. Flashing lights explode out of every single window of the house, and Teague watches from the passenger seat of the car as Diane and the kids attempt to rush out the front door to Steve. Unfortunately, another casket rises up from the ground, corpse included, blocking their way. This continues as they rush back through the house into the dining room in the kitchen. I read that this was achieved with hydraulics and breakaway linoleum. All right. And so the difficulty is that this was a lose yourself situation because they only had one shot oh, and yeah. <laughs> they did not miss their chance so to blow did they, because did they capture it or did they let it slip i'll just say their palms were sweaty <laughs> <laughs> but another casket pops open outside knocking steve over Teague is like, fuck this noise, and tries to bail, but Steve catches up to him, grabbing him by the jacket and screaming at him. You son of a bitch. You moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You only moved the headstones? He's furious. Well, Who yeah. fucking does that? <laughs> Who does that? Well, it was cheaper, to Oh, my yeah, God. But, uh, but again, 42%, you knew I was living here with my family. The first person. Yeah. 
some bullshit. Man. It is. And, you know, capitalism is all I'm yeah. trying to say. <laughs> it's it's awful because you think about all the other houses, how long until they're experiencing the yeah. shit. I do think that they did have an attraction to Carol Ann in particular because mm. she was born in this house. Yeah, all so right. that was my question. Like, I know that this movie's literally called Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah it's not a... <laughs> and yeah. we had the difference between a haunting and a poltergeist situation explained right. to us. This house is haunted because it's built on dead people. That's the twist, folks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a poltergeist it, at all. It goes all the way to the top. Exactly. Yeah. All the way. They've been trolling us since the title. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm just a little confused, I guess. I think that was the intent is that it starts off very almost innocuous. Mm -hmm. You got some weird shit moving around or right, whatever. Right. And then it turns into what it turns into. I mean, then call the movie They're Here. I mean, I don't know. Well, don't go change well, the title. <laughs> I, I, well, I think it was because they needed the time frame. Because okay. if it's a haunting, then you have all the time in the world. True. But if it's a poltergeist, That's then true. We, we only have 48 then hours. Then Gordon Ramsay is fucking yeah. <laughs> sweating. Yeah, okay, he's I like, we got to get these customers fed. Yeah. <laughs> Poison soup and whatnot. <laughs> Pizza Hut. And waffles. Of course, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, waffles. <laughs> But Steve desperately asks why, but Teague just stands there in shock. Diane and the kids make it out of the house, and Steve loads them into the car. With everyone screaming in his ear, he's finally able to start the car, but not before the house, fucking projectile missiles. Yeah. <laughs> an entire fucking corpse onto the hood of the car. Yeah, no, that was just, and stay yeah. out. But I, I, it made me laugh because he was struggling with that ignition. He was. And I'd be like, I saved both of these kids on my own. You can't put the fucking key in the ignition. <laughs> that is very fair. These, the division of labor is not. And also E-Buzz is just always ready to get the fuck yeah. out of the house. Because yeah. Harry last week was a very good boy, mm -hmm. yeah. but he had to be rescued. True. Right. E-Buzz was like, move. <laughs> I, I can get in here myself. Like he, yeah, <laughs> he jumped was his ass yeah. in the car. Now in defense of Harry, he did pull James out of the sludge he last did week. Yeah. He did save James. So, I meant, yes, James Brolin, actually. James yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I he meant, literally saved James yes, Brolin. He was like, I'm drowning in the sludge. <laughs> Not George Lutz, James but Brolin. we'll just get a couple treats out for both these good boys, is all I'm trying they, to say. Yeah. They both deserve them. Yes. But as they violently back into the street, a car pulls up, and Dana, dressed for the sock hop, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't get it either. I don't know what that's about. But she hops out of the car and she stares at the house, still beaming light out into the street and screams, what's happening? Iconic moment. Iconic. Um, but. Yeah. Exhibit C. Uh, <laughs> the big ass fucking hickey on her neck for yes, no reason. Yeah. It's like, that's what she's been doing, guys. Yeah, like, yeah we <laughs> we know. We get it, Steven. What the fuck are we doing it's here? It's just gross. Like, I don't under. I'm not saying that 16 year olds can't be about their business. Right, That's right. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we got to make the whole movie about Dana getting it in. Get oh, that's it her in. character. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> the whole just, movie. Yeah. What movie were you watching? <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch a supercut of just the Dana scenes? <laughs> I just don't. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, I like feel for like a movie either. called Poltergeist. Yeah. I, just saw, I saw a girl like leaving the house a lot. <laughs> I feel like either flesh her out uh -huh. or. She's not even fully needed. Yeah. No. I just don't like the treatment of her character. Make her, you know, three to four years younger and we can talk. You mean older? 
what did I say? Younger. Older. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, older. Oh, no, older. <laughs> on the on the cool, you don't even need to do all the other crazy shit and just send her away like you did the boy. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Get him it, out of it, the scene. It was just an odd choice. And again, I I I I'm sure it can just be chalked up to one of those um situations where it just doesn't age yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But uh I really didn't appreciate it. No, you were <laughs> objection. Yeah. Yes. But Dana gets into the car and E-Buzz is there too, as we've said, as we've explained. (laughs) (laughs) But the car speeds away as Steve tells them not to look back. The caskets are wrecking shop in the whole neighborhood. Water mains are busted and fucking fire is shooting out from the ground. Yeah. It's a real mess. It's a lot. According to Fangoria, this part was shot on location. Damn. Yeah. This was the actual neighborhood. Holy shit. The next sequence was not, but still. Yeah. Teague backs away from the glowing house as the beast growls, sending a shockwave of fiery light that knocks his ass down. The house begins to crumble until it fully collapses in on itself, the debris forming a ball and disappearing into a ball of humming light. The house is like life with the Simpsons. (laughs) 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 That's all I thought of, dude. That's it. But Teague puts his head down like, I am never going to financially recover from this. (laughs) I did want to point out, according to The Independent, this shot cost $25,000. Holy shit. They made a six-foot-wide model of the house and connected it to a ton of wires. Yeah. It was so detailed that it even had the furniture of the house in Uh, the appropriate uh, room. Wow. At a certain point, the wires would be pulled and sucked into that vacuum we talked about earlier. All right. And this was filmed at 300 frames a second and slowed down for the version that we see in the film. Damn. Just nuts. But could it fit on the head of (laughs) (laughs) This house was etched into a grain of rice. Yeah, Yeah, it was a pencil (laughs) lead. Yeah. Uh, I do think that this holds up incredibly. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it does. Again, practical effects, a lot of it doesn't age poorly. Yeah. But the Freeling family speeds away past a now leaving Cuesta Verde sign, eventually arriving at the neatest looking Holiday Inn I've ever seen. (laughs) It looks vintage. I like it. They're like, hey, Dana. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, back so soon? (laughs) Oh, I'm mad. But uh, there's a sign at the Holiday Inn that says, uh, welcome Dr. Fantasy or something. Apparently, that was the magician name of one of the producers of the film. (laughs) So again, it's like a little shout out. Yeah. Yeah. But... They approach their room quietly, unlocking the door and heading inside, closing it behind them. After a moment, the door opens and Steve wheels the television onto the balcony and closes the door once again. The camera pulls back into the night as the main theme plays and the credits roll. So, what did you guys think of Poltergeist? So, I do want to say that I enjoyed this movie. Good. Mm-hmm. I did like it. I forgot a lot of stuff except for everything that the pop culture yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy that they were normal and there was nothing wrong with them, even though they did get high in the movie. Mm-hmm. There was no <laughs> weird like, oh, this happened because you were stoned and you left your kid alone. Some or, reefer madness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, they were normal people. Just they got high. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I do not like the et again <laughs> you kind of but but i mean i did feel good watching the movie yeah you do get the like you said the family you know what i mean you're yeah. like oh yeah it's wholesome it is, it is. it's a wholesome horror movie 
Which why I, did uh, it? It sounded like his tone soured at the end of that sentence. Did. Well, why that shouldn't be together? I don't know. It's <laughs> it's weird, but I like it. Well, it's good. Uh, that yeah, you like it. as long as you like it. Yeah, I agree. I had a lot of fun. Um, I don't want to say I was disappointed that it wasn't scarier because I think that I maybe did that to myself. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is. It it's weirdly wholesome. There are a couple really good visual effects yeah. in it. Oh yeah. They made some super small shit. No, mm-hmm. I'm just <laughs> As we've explained, the <laughs> the head of a pin, <laughs> grain of rice. Um, I feel like. We watched that Cursed Films documentary on it this morning, and I feel like what I took away from it, because, you know, that whole, all the death and everything right, surrounding right. this film, yeah, it being chalked up to it being a curse for them using real bodies and stuff. And there was a guy on there that said that it was really a disservice to Heather O'Rourke, who died from an undiagnosed medical condition, mm-hmm. tragically young. And then Dominique Dunn, who was murdered Murdered, by her boyfriend, again, horribly young. It's like diminishing their deaths to it being a creepy story about the movie. And so that really kind of made me reframe that in my mind. I I appreciated kind of being corrected in that because they're not just a creepy story, you know? Yeah. Like their deaths were real. They were real people. And it's fucking horribly sad. Oh, yeah. And, um... I forgot what we were talking about, but <laughs> the, the I, motion picture yeah. poltergeist. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, I, it kind of bothers me that that is so steeped. Like the film right. is so steeped in that kind of lore about it because it kind of sets you up for a movie that you're not getting. And it really is disrespectful to oh, them. Yeah. Um, and I never looked at it that way before. So I was, I was happy to be enlightened in that way. Well, I think because I, I would wager to say the three of us kind of all have a sort of attraction to the macabre for sure. Right. The, you know, dark, mm-hmm. darker side of things. Yeah. So you hear things about a cursed film and you're like, Ooh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. But then when you when you get that giant story, you do forget about the human aspect exactly. behind it. Yeah. Exactly. And seeing them on that cursed films doc, yeah. telling all these stories, you're like, God damn, that is really a disservice. It's like, wow, yeah. it, it, it's, it's gross, yeah. you know? And I feel like it's been really leaned into because it, it makes the movie scarier. Yeah. But no, that, that's not... No. Like, that's gross. But anyway, for what this film is, not what I wanted it to be, not what they, you know, people try to make it. Mm -hmm. It's a good time. It is. It's not going to be unless you watched it at, you know, that age. It's not going to be super scary. But like, that's okay because that's just not what this is. Yeah. So much of, you know, like you said, Hmm. not all of it's entirely original, but I feel like it did inspire some really great moments and great films that came after it. And that's kind of, you know, you can't put a price Mm. on that. When I was on Not Your Final Girl, which if you're drinking every time I say that. I know they're drunk. (laughs) I was very happy to be on there and I love them so much. But they're great. Here's the thing. Insidious. Yeah. Right. You know, films like that had to have taken Poltergeist as a major influence. For sure. And look what they did with it. They made it their own. It's possible to be influenced and create something amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, you know, I agree. I think this is a great, fun film. It's interesting that there are so many interpretations you can take as far as like the American dream critique. 
the United States critique in general, mm-hmm. uh, critique about television and our children. Yeah, I don't have children. You know what I mean? Your yeah. children, <laughs> just your kids. <laughs> Won't somebody please think of the children? Please yeah. think of the children. Always back to the Simpsons. But <laughs> I just think that I, I don't want to say that it detracts from it for me. I feel like they're trying very hard to... Like, you remember when you were a kid and you get scared and then, like, your mom would hug you or something? Your, yeah. your dad would tell you to be okay? That's this movie a lot of the time. Yeah. It, it, no, yeah, it that's, is. like, perfectly yeah. put. Like, yeah. they, like, scare the shit out of you and, like, no, it's, it's all right. Yeah, it's, all right. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, everything's Look, cool. This is funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't want to say that it detracts from the film, but it 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 does kind of take my score down right. just a little bit i get that but that's what i'm saying you have to look at it for what it is yeah it's this does not feel like a straight horror film to me i think is, it's you know which is odd because it's revered as yeah. one of the cl- you know what i mean it's just interesting but i guess that leads us into ratings on the positive side i i love how real this family feels in this movie it is very very lived in and it's very hard to achieve that mm-hmm. so that takes a lot of work oh yeah I think the story is great, albeit, I mean, somewhat derivative. Derivative. (laughs) (laughs) The odd collector. (laughs) But I think that, again, it does something unique with what it has. Mm -hmm. I feel like the social commentary that may or may not be here is a very interesting thing to dive into if we want to. Right. Yeah. But even without it, it's still a really good movie. Oh, yeah. I think the special effects are great. I like the music in a lot of ways. Yeah. One of the better horror scores, I'd say, maybe not necessarily horror scores, but scores. Right, yeah. right. Because it's never really scary. Yeah. But it's definitely really good music. Of course, I have to shout out Joe Beth Williams. Mm-hmm. I think she does a, an amazing job in this movie. She does. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the rest don't. Yeah. But to me, she's the real standout. She shines. Right. Yeah. On the negative side, though, Dana. Yeah, I don't like it. The handling of Dana's character, I just don't yeah, know what they were weird. doing. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they made a choice as far as how scary this film was going to be. And it does work. Although I would have loved to see what would have happened if they had gone the other way. Yeah. yeah. Especially with Toby Hooper at the helm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. He creates some of the most visceral. Yeah. Like... And it's he's so raw and gritty in yeah. the way it just feels Spielberg. Yeah. Spielberg. Spielberg. I was, I've gone French. I was gonna say Spielbergian, but I didn't know if I was pronouncing it right, so I just stopped <laughs> mid fucking word, which is what you're So you, you know, turned into a Frenchman. Yeah, Spielberg. <laughs> but all that to say, out of ten static televisions, I am going to give Poltergeist eight point five static televisions out of ten. I was gonna give it an eight. But this movie is a lot of fun. It is. It really it is. is. I mean, and this is one that you can show to just about anybody. Yeah. I feel like you could make a horror fan out of a non-horror fan, and you can make a horror fan that is a devout horror fan right. very happy. Yeah. So I think uh, I appreciate my score, and I hope you both do too. <laughs> I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but I will now open the floor to you. So I know I've already kind of said what I had to say about the movie. Mm-hmm. But I pretty much watched this with fresh eyes Mm -hmm. and I did like this movie. And like I said, yeah, I don't like putting wholesome and horror together, but (laughs) it looked like it hurt. uh, It did. 
But it is. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the movie's good. And at the end, you feel all, you know, you get that little laugh when they throw the TV out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. But, yeah. you know, they're a family. Everybody's safe. You know, whatever. They they beat it. And I mean, it, it it's good. And I hate that it made me feel that way. <laughs> But it, <laughs> I hate that it made it, me but, feel good. Right? I felt feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it it is a very good movie, mm-hmm. and I also gave it the same thing. Really? So on a scale from one to ten, static televisions, I'm gonna give the Poltergeist an eight point five. I again love the fact that they're potheads and they're normal. <laughs> I yeah. love the fact that, like you said, you can show this movie to anybody and mm-hmm. it's fine because it has that, oh, you're scared. Hold on. Let me, you know, yeah. hold on. <laughs> it's let's, okay, it's yeah, okay. let's get funny real quick, <laughs> you know, and then it goes back. And yeah, what could have been, mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll ever find out. I doubt yeah, it. No. But you we know, what I mean? yeah, but this movie, the way it is, I, I am, I'm completely fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I going last, I always feel like I'm just repeating what you guys say. So (laughs) I'm I'm in the same boat. I think that I kind of did this film a disservice going into it with the mindset that I did. And so kind of reshaping that and then watching it again and, you know, reading all about Mm -hmm. it and everything. It gives you a deeper appreciation. And I I just had a really fun time talking about it as well. Um, so I'm just going to cut all the bullshit and just go to my score. <laughs> and on a scale from one to 10 static televisions, I also gave <laughs> Poltergeist 8.5. So ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. You did the hat trick. It, I feel like it's been a while. It has yeah. been. But the, it's just, I know we keep saying the word wholesome, but I don't know how else yeah, to describe I, it. I don't either. It's a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds cheesy, but it is nice to have a horror film from the 80s mm-hmm. that's highly regarded that my kids can watch yeah. <laughs> there's no showing of the flesh no. there's i mean you know there's those moments with dana that would go over a child's yeah. head yeah you know but i didn't notice the hickey until the last time i watched the movie man it pissed me off i know man. it did <laughs> i didn't notice <laughs> didn't that at all it. oh. you said it's something. big i was mad yeah i think that thing that bit dr casey <laughs> gave her the hickey <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Pod Mortem. What would you rate Poltergeist and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Pod Mortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, it's important to let the dead rest in peace. Failure to do so could be a grave mistake. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Heusden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Allison O'Neill, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Carissa, 
TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Barry, Brittany, Charity Oxner, and Amanda Six. Hey! Yeah! Thank you all so much. The Thank crew! You. Thank oh, you yeah. so much. We appreciate every single one of you, and we can't tell you how glad we are that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> like the TV. They're the TV people. Yes, yeah. they're the podcast people. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.